Let me be unambiguous in the event that there are any questions about this in your conspiracy addled minds. Walter Skinner's stall career has everything to do with his blind loyalty to the both of you and your misguided search for some imaginary truth. Duncan and both come correct. It, it was uh, really enjoyable, and and when I j- kind of semi joked of like we should do a show again about the Dead Zone because I totally would. Mm. Um, Any day of the week, man. Honestly, that, that I, I, it's weird how a movie can grow on you as much, um, even in the last like two years. And I was like legitimately serious. If I was to do my Stephen King thing now. Um, it's possibly top five, maybe even top three for me, considering I had it what seven. <laughs> like it's jumped a bit, um, and that's just kind of just. I, oh yeah, I think it's fucking brilliant. So, all right, uh, hey everyone, we're gonna jump into this quick like because I think we're headed this direction anyway. Uh, this is welcome. Uh, well, this is welcome. This is Duncan. <laughs> I got that Pontypool virus. Um, you were doing so well. I know. Uh, this is Duncan and Bo. Come correct, or currently Duncan and Bo, go to the X-Files. Uh, we're going to be talking about episode six of season 11 here in a bit. But we start talking about movies, and uh, let's keep that rolling. Of course, Duncan is here. Say hello, Duncan. Hey, hello, Duncan. And uh, let's just keep this going, because we've both been watching a bunch of movies. Loads. Loads of movies. (laughs) Loads. We've been taking hot loads of movies. (laughs) And and around our mouth. Yes. Um, And and sometimes in our eyes, and it stings, but it stings. They promised it wouldn't sting. Well, they're liars, Duncan. So uh, uh, let's talk about a couple of these, and uh, I want to start off with one that I know is near and dear to your heart, Ooh. and we just talked about it on the uh, Devour the Podcast recording, mm-hmm. uh, but I watched The Editor again. Oh, which I love is, that movie. I think the third time I've watched it now. Yeah, but you're now, you're now not the... <sighs> Not a massive fan, but you are more loving of the Jally subgenre than you were the first time you watched that movie. Absolutely. I have a much greater appreciation for what that movie is satiring mm-hmm. uh, or satirizing. Uh, satiring didn't sound right. That's not a word. No. Um, <laughs> Sounds, it, 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 satiring is what I'm going to do when I turn 65 and get a state pension. Oh, is that right? Oh, it's yeah. my satirement. <laughs> Sit there and and do comical judgment on the world and its many different facets while being paid by the state and my uh, satirement. Nice. Home. <laughs> Very nice. Um, but you're right, Duncan. I uh, I do have a, a much uh, greater appreciation of that uh, subgenre of film. Um, also, I think I just enjoy that movie more every time I see it. Uh, it's a very, very, very funny movie. It's very funny. The music is rad in mm-hmm. that movie. 
that that soundtrack has been my jam of late. And um, yeah, I just I, I kind of like everything about it. I, I do think that there's a little bit of fat on it. I, mm-hmm. I wish it were about 10 minutes shorter and yeah, then yeah, it I would be just about the perfect movie. Yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. I, I mean, I get lost in the movie just because almost every frame I, I see a nod to a movie I know or love. Um, but yeah, it, it gets, I think, in fairness, most of Astro and Six stuff could benefit for, you know, having a slightly leaner editor. Uh, excuse the pun. I don't think it's a pun. They, but, they're, uh, <laughs> they're the Judd Apatow of horror. Yeah. Of like, just, <laughs> come on, man. Let's bring this in for a landing. Yeah, just a little bit trimmed off it would not do it harm. And I, I get the they really genuinely love what they're doing. So I think they themselves get a bit lost in the art them, themselves when they're doing it. And that's fine. But yeah, I think you're right. I think the editor would not suffer at all from having uh, maybe 10 minutes of, of fat trimmed off it. Um, it's just very difficult to do what that movie does and do it as well as it does with the budget that it has. Um, I think it's. I think it's. I'm. Did you see that? Is very funny. I think does an injustice to how clever the movie is as well. Um, and it's the best thing they've ever done. And I, I, I don't matter. There is a couple of astronauts that I like. Father's Day, for example. I think Father's Day is really funny. Um, uh, and really well done. I'm not a fan of Manborg. Uh, but I think. Um, I think they hit out of the park with that. Like really, genuinely landed a. a a, a pretty much a, the perfect way that you could pay homage to Jallo uh, as a subgenre. Um, yeah, and kind of Italian cinema in general. There's a lot of Fulci, like oh, yes. paranormal shit in there, and yeah, it's it, but it's all very funny. And it's uh, the the I, the best way I found to describe it is it's it's sort of pitch perfect in mm. terms of the tone that it's trying to capture. Yeah. And and that's also I think one of the faults of the movie. Is that like myself? The first time I saw it, I didn't have the frame of reference, and it's a movie that certainly requires that you do. Yeah, you uh, get a lot more out of that movie if you do. You, you you'll just understand where they're coming from. I, I mean, I remember it took me a year to see it after it played uh, like festivals and stuff, and I got the Screen Factory release at the time. As soon as it came out, I got I got kind of pre-ordered and sent over but um our buddy uh, jeff x martin of kiss the goat fame um had basically told me i think it was maybe during my first filter recording with them on podcast under the stairs he's like that you're gonna this is gonna be your movie of the year you're gonna fucking love it um and i saw it and i remember sending my message right away just going that if i feel like this movie has been made for me you know, I feel like Astro and Six were sitting there going, like, sitting there in front of a whiteboard and then they spun it round and it was just my picture stuck to the middle. No, uh, we need to please this guy. <laughs> like, let's go around the table, shoot ideas. None of them are silly. Um, and I feel that's how I want to feel that the, the movie was made. But I'm really looking forward to you chatting that because I don't know what Jamie Jenkins, uh, or Jamie G. Salmon, sorry, her take on that movie is. Um and I don't know what David's is either, so that that will be that's going to be a ton of fun to uh, to hear that when it comes out. Yeah, it'll be a, a good time in the old town tonight, as they mm. say. 
what else have you been watching, man? Uh, I know we both got our list, so just throw something at me. Right. Well, let's get this uh, conversation out of the way. So, literally the day after we spoke last time, um, I watched uh, the new Cloverfield movie. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, I, I, like Bo had spoke about this. Bo had said that um, it wasn't great, uh, and there was stuff happening in the movie that he'd much rather the movie had been kind of paying attention to uh, rather than what was happening on the screen, which was perfectly fine. But you know, he'd much rather the other story was being told. Um, I watched it. It's safe to say I enjoyed it a lot more than you did. I don't understand the internet's hate of this movie at all. I really, really don't. It's not particularly well written. Although in saying that, I, I would say it, at least, and I, I'm being careful because the movie has obviously not been out that long and there might be people that have not seen it. Um, so I don't want to spoil too much about it. But I would say that yeah, it may not be the best written movie, and it is slightly cliched. And some of the the scares that it goes for, or or some of the 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 kind of horror that it leans into. Um, but I think as a plausible reason to set up the the universe of Cloverfield, I didn't think it was it was bad at all. If anything, I thought, yeah, why not? Why not? It was funny right after our conversation as well. The following day, someone had posted a link. Uh, which does have you seen this online? The the one where they play Cloverfield and Cloverfield Paradox side by side. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I haven't watched it. I heard about it. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So like, at, right at the moment that the experiment fails is the exact same time in Cloverfield when the creature first shows up. Um, like at exactly the same time frame, and I. I'm going to say that it probably was deliberate that they did that. Um, and I'm going to say that it's probably the filmmakers themselves or people in the marketing department that originally put that kind of look what we found sort of thing. Cause that's the cynical person in me. That's how you advertise movies. That's how you get a bit of viral marketing um, mm-hmm. done. And let's be honest, these movies are all about the viral marketing. Um, any quick way to get you to, to check something out that they will do. And I'm done with that. I think there is more room for that in, in movies nowadays. Uh, I don't want like nine months. Like the, the Halloween stuff is finally finished wrapping up on uh, on the filming. So that's the new Halloween movie done. But I know that I got what like almost like 10 news stories on that in a week and from now until that movie comes out every week every horror outlet that can put a story out about the new halloween movie will be doing such so much so that i'm going to go into that with a bit of fatigue um just because you're getting hammered with it constantly um i love the fact that i knew very little about the cloverfield paradox until i watched it um yeah, there's I, a, a, an air of William Castle to what those Cloverfield movies do that yeah. I really like, and I think, but I, I think that's a reverence in itself. To I think that's like almost like because we have to be honest that Ten Cloverfield Lane was a movie that became a Cloverfield movie. It wasn't set out that way. Right. I don't As know, was this. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know fully. Uh, what it's obviously J.G. Abrams is going like that. This sounds like a story that we can tag on something at the end to bring it in. There is something very Twilight Zone about the whole thing, and I kind of love that. Um, you know, you, you live in a world, a world where you're on a space station, we use that to, a, you know, a different um, 
universe or a different uh, strain of uh, time, parallel universe, and in that you end up replacing the people that you're you're there in that frame, and as such, things are slightly different. You gain a new crewmate and all that. I, I found all that stuff really, really interesting. And like I say, I don't think it's necessarily really well done, but I don't think it's that badly done that it merits the the general condemnation that came out about it. Um, I would take your point as well. Like you said to me that you really wanted to see the movie that was happening. Like Basically during... what's happening on Earth. But That's... you've kind of seen that. Yeah, That's but I just, w- I just wasn't in, interested in all the fake magic-y science in the space station. Yeah, but the, the, my, my thought was when you said that to me, I thought there was something out with what we ultimately see at the end, that reveal, that tag on that they do. But but you have seen that. Like, if you're doing... like my, This is my pitch for Cloverfield. Cloverfield is a franchise as to the horror genre for American horror story is to horror TV. It's like every single series is completely different, um, but it's still grounded in the same sort of universe. Uh, we can jump around, try different stories in different time frames. It doesn't really matter. Um, and they will throw everything against the wall and some of it will, you know, some of it will gel, creating great seasons. Others will maybe miss the mark slightly and become alright seasons, uh, and other ones come out and they're not great seasons. Um, but that doesn't mean that the next American Horror Story that comes out, I won't watch it. You know, I, I want to see what they do next because we're not... This is not a continuing story. This is just stories all set at different time periods, doing different things, all exist within this universe. I am totally down with that. I'm totally, I think that's really interesting and refreshing that that you're going to do a a spiritual franchise. It's like that way we used to get spiritual trilogies, like we we mentioned Fulci earlier on. You think of something like the Gates of Hell trilogy, which, you know, Fulci never really put that on. It just so happened to make three kind of zombie supernatural movies side by side in the spaces of a couple you know, a couple of years. And people started saying, oh, well, it's the Gates of Hell trilogy and started lumping in. But there is a through line to all three of those movies that you could say, yeah, they probably all do exist in the same universe. That's pretty cool. And I like that. I like John, uh, John Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy. Same sort of idea. Um, so I'm done with Cloverfield trying these things. I think, to me, I'd, I wouldn't have wanted to see what was happening on Earth um, in the present time in the real universe. Um, Because, like I say, we have seen a version of that before. So, you know, if any, you wouldn't have seen that anyway because that's not what the the film's been made um, after the fact it's a Cloverfield movie. So, you know, they've, they've obviously slipped certain things in to try and give it cohesion to an extent. Um, I didn't mind the comedy. I know you were you were on about the guy from the the IT crowd being like kind of forced humour. I didn't mind it at all. I, I I I genuinely thought there were certain bits which the bit with his arm coming off, which you weren't keen on, I found funny. Um, the some of some of the way he spoke to certain characters, I, I just felt this guy is one of these guys who compensates with with kind of forced humour and not everyone gets it. We're in a serious situation. We all have that one friend, Bo, who in a serious situation thinks now is the time to become a comedian. Um, 
So yeah, he, he didn't he didn't bother me that much. Um, and I really liked the ending. The, the last shot got me pumped for the next movie. I was like, yeah, let's bring it on. And the next movie, I believe, is a war movie. And it's set in the past. I think it's set in World War II, which I don't know how that works in the time frame. But now I'm like that. Why not? Just do it. Do let these guys do whatever they want and keep churning these movies out under the you know under the the banner of Cloverfield. Um, and for those who were like, you're one of the worst movies I've ever seen. You know, one star out of five. I well, I keep coming back to this. People are either becoming very very fussy, like incredibly fussy over certain movies and not movies in the broad spectrum or people are not seeing enough movies that that is a one-star movie. I don't understand how anyone could give it a one-star movie. It's the definition of a three-star movie for me. It's the middle of the road. Yeah, well, and also, as cool as the method of release was, there is something diminishing about, hey, this thing that you've already got... You can now, right after the Super Bowl, watch this Cloverfield movie. Yeah. And the fact that you don't have to expend any energy whatsoever to watch this film. Yeah. You know, uh, you're not paying a rental fee. You're not going to the theater. You're not even waiting for Netflix to email or to mail it to you. Yeah. You're, you're not You're not even going to Amazon Video and ordering it or anything. It's all just, it's just there. And and while that's cool, it also cheapens the movie experience to some degree. Yeah, I just uh, think there's a lot of shit on Netflix, though. I just think there's a lot of really right. bad movies I've, on Netflix. And why, you know, and the criticisms I see to read about it were people either saying that it didn't explain Cloverfield enough. And I, once I, I don't understand why you want that first movie, you know, explicitly kind of mapped out i don't think you need that um and this one sets up the premise for how these things have happened but it doesn't you know it it doesn't take you step by step through what happened in that first movie and nor should it um ultimately as well i don't think the world that we know for a fact that the world that they come back to that time frame is not the time frame from the first movie anyway because there's not a, a a global crisis with with um, power or anything like that. It's not mentioned in that first movie. So this is a different... It just it, it, it frustrates me when I watch these things and I see people being so inanely dumb that, they, you know, it's, it's not asking you to do anything except sit and watch it. It's not asking you to, you know, put on the fucking tinfoil hat and stand in front of the conspiracy board tying bits of red string between different movies. It's really not asking you to do that at all. What it's asking you to do is sit and enjoy this cheesy, and I'll say it's a cheesy, cliche sci-fi horror movie, which is light on horror. Um, and it felt like, I did feel like I was watching a highlight reel of a lot of sci-fi movies anyway, but it's not a subgenre I particularly like. I think there's maybe two or three great sci-fi horror movies in terms of set in space, and that's it. And it certainly didn't reinvent the wheel or, or push anything out. But... I thought a lot of the performances were actually pretty good. Um, I thought the story itself worked. The script was a bit hokey at times. The The way it was shot and the, the special effects I thought were great. So yeah, at this stage, I just don't understand how someone can just hate... A, I, I think that's what it is. I don't understand how someone can just 
hate a movie and the whole justification is it doesn't explain the first movie. I don't I don't understand that. Like I can understand like I have a like a, some people would say irrational hatred of the film Tusk, right? Kevin Smith's Tusk. Fucking hate it. But I don't hate it because it's setting up a stupid trilogy or, you know, um because uh, you know, I I don't think it's well written. I just think the movie on so many levels fails to do what it sets out to do. Um, I don't think the script's well written. I don't think, I think the movie is well shot and that is it. I didn't like the score, didn't like the actors, made me hate Michael Parks uh, as a, you know, a Johnny Depp cameo, which is nonsensical at all. Um, I, I didn't like the central character, Justin Long. I think they try and make you like him and I think it's, or I don't even think they do try and make you like him. Uh, so, you know, when I put that, there's a litany of crimes that movie has. So, you know, I hate that because it just doesn't do anything for me on any of those levels. Um, but I can't hate a movie because it doesn't do one thing that the movie probably didn't set out to do in the first place. Uh, that's my concern. So, yeah, I think that you, I would have scored that a three out of five. I don't know where you would have come in, but I don't think it would be much lower. Would it? Uh, I might have gone, like, if we're doing on a five-point scale, I might have gone a two versus a three. Right. But it, but I'm kind of in the same camp of, hey, I'm, I, 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 I don't care for this movie that much, but mm. I'm also not ruling out the next Cloverfield film either. Like, it hasn't poisoned the well on that franchise. It's just like, oh, well... They've done what three of these now? Yeah, and I like two of the three. Yeah, so that's pretty good. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I think any franchise that can can nab two to three, other the people writing off already. Part Four's filmed. It's done. It's coming out in October, um, and I read somewhere online that Part Five has started filming. Um, and this is the be they can they they can do anything they want with them. And I don't know why you just people just can't be excited about that. But like they can do anything they want, and you don't have to. I don't have to have watched uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane to watch Cloverfield Paradox. I need to kind of watch Cloverfield to get the ending. But I, I yeah, I just don't. I, I, I confused me, it confused and baffled me uh, when people were like that. Oh, worst thing Netflix has ever put their name to. Um, I'm like really, really. You need to dig deep. <laughs> I can give you a couple of tales right now. Um, but yeah, so I, I watched it. I, I thought it was a, a solid three-star movie. Um, I don't know if it's because I'd read so many bad things about it that my expectations were lowered. And as such, I enjoyed it just a bit more for what it was. Um, and it flew in. A, a movie's like an hour and 40 long. And yeah. it flies in at a, like a pace. Didn't f- I'd read like a couple of people saying that it felt overly long. Not for me. That movie totally flew in. And I was invested from like the first five minutes. I was like, right, I want to see what's happening. Right, I want to see what the next thing is. Well, right, where we're going with this. How are we getting back? Um, and like I say, that last shot, I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the... The best part of the movie is the last like 60 to 90 seconds. Yeah. But, so that uh, Bo, Bo has his kaiju boner right now. Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. Um, so, uh, speaking of movies, what came out on Netflix? Ooh. Uh, 
uh let's talk about the ritual real quick um yeah, you guys that so i take it that's the only avenue it's come out in the states because it got yeah. a full theatrical run over here last october yeah it it did not as far as i know it was never theatrical here mm. uh i think this is the premiere uh le premiere le premier um <laughs> and uh and i thought that was really good yeah i didn't I think, think it was great I you thought it was and really me, good bo you and me are like this i've seen the internet lose a shit about the movie once again like this is the best horror movie of the year so far and i'm like uh i think it's i think it's good i think it's really good i think the story's fun um i think it's very well acted love anything set in scandinavia has a big tick for me because uh, i love all that norse stuff um i thought the creature was pretty cool uh uh-huh. I, you know what i didn't need in that movie all that cabin stuff i yes. didn't need any of that yeah the cat the cabin stuff to me i feel um was an interesting choice and once again, it's based on a book. So in the book, I imagine that cabin thing happens. I've, I've never read the book. Um, so I imagine it happens and that's fine. And you chose to do it and that's okay. Um, but I, I didn't think it I didn't think it was doing anything that I hadn't seen before. Right, I think like, that's why I don't understand the, the massive, like, if you see one movie this year, make it the ritual. Well, that, well I've kind of seen a lot of this already. Um, and it's well done, yes. No, no one's taking anything away from it. Well, there's nothing to me that is so remarkable about the movie that makes it this, you know, people already saying, well, I found my first entry in my top 10. And I'm like, well, you know, I never yeah, made I, my top 20 last year. So I, I'm kind of bummed that there are some movies out there that people have gotten really excited about. Mm-hmm. And I'm still in the camp of, there just hasn't been a great horror movie in 2018 yet. Yeah, and I think there's been really good ones. Yeah, just not a great one. But I think we were spoiled last year. Like genuine by by this time last year, Get Out had come out. So right, and the year before that, you had what It Follows by yeah. now. Yeah, it, and, it follows. And the year yeah. before that was, I can't remember. But it was like January, February every year for like the past two, three years. We've had. Like a, a title which has generally been universally cited as this one's going to top lists, um, and I don't, I don't think we, I'm with you. I don't think we've had it yet. I think there's been a ton of fun out. Uh, I think the ritual is a fun movie um, to watch. It's dark at, at times, and there is a bit of an emotional weight to it, which I think is kind of cool. And to me, it's a fun movie. Um, I think Mum and Dad's a fun movie. I uh, think nonsense, but it's it's, it's wonderful nonsense. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. I'm not sitting here going that we're getting the same level at at this point thus far. But it is we're still this is mid February, and there's a lot of horror coming this year. Like so much yeah. horror coming this year that yeah, it's it's, it's it's getting off to a bit of sluggish start. But I mean, you you could you you could do a lot worse than sit down on a Saturday night, shove on the ritual, get a big bowl of popcorn and a beer and sit back and enjoy it. Yeah. Mom and dad is a great, I'm just going to kick back with uh, a couple of beers and maybe a tall glass of water and enjoy yeah. a movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like the, there are the things I liked about the ritual 
uh, were the, you know, kind of friends, the, the dynamic between all of them in light of the tragedy they'd suffered, uh, all that stuff I thought was engaging. Um, the, the first little house they stop at was plenty creepy. And mm. then I was like, well, then just throw them into the woods and let all this devolve, you know? Yeah. And uh, much like The Descent, you know, is the the close analog to that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed at how much they explained. I I was like, I think it's enough that there's this kind of god monster loose in the woods that you have somehow traipsed into that world and are now lost in the woods with it. Yeah. that's, That's plenty of movie for me. I don't need all the other shit. A couple of really good creepy scenes as well. There's a scene where they look up to the woods and you just see the hand, like abnormally high up on on the trunk of a tree. Where you're just like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Uh, yeah. You know, like stuff like that, which I thought was. And they hold back on revealing the creature for quite a while in that movie, which I respect. Um, it's very easy to show the monster early, um, and they they do they they temper that quite well. Uh, and yeah, I think it's I think it's a good movie. I think it's like what if I was doing my grades, I would probably give it a three and a half or a four. And you know what I mean? That's that's yeah. where it, that's where it rolls. Um, it, it's yeah. I, I I but there was and I'm not. I listen. I am excited when people get excited about horror movies, especially when they're from. I think it was a, a British production as well. So when Americans are getting excited over a British horror movie, I'm happy. <laughs> that, that makes me happy. It generates a lot of interest for the British film industry. So that's cool. But like I say, I watched it last year and it never made my top 20. And it never made my top 20 because I thought it was a good horror movie. I just didn't think it was a great horror movie. All right. Uh, I think we're on the same boat there, Duncan. Yeah. Um... Do you want Let's, me to swing in another one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw something at me. Right. This is, the, the once again, sticking with Netflix, high recommend for me. There's a new uh, docu-series called Dirty Money, which is you need to clear, like, a couple of nights and sit down and watch Dirty Money. It's fucking brilliant. So it's uh, made by the people that did uh, The Smartest Guys in the Room, the Enron documentary which is one of my favourite documentaries, and basically looks into uh, six cases of a corporate um, and political scandal um, in the world. Uh, so the first episode looks at the the massive um, fraud uh, statements put forward by Vauxhall when when they put out those cars, which I had to recall, like about, I think it was 500,000 cars I had to recall, because they claimed that the diesel emissions were cleaner than they were. And uh, basically how Congress acted uh, towards them. Uh, the second one um, is about uh, one of these payday moneylenders in the States uh, and, and how that case went down. And then you start moving into, there's one about Big Pharma, uh, there's one about it's like six episodes. There's Big Pharma. There's one about the maple syrup mafia, which is pretty amazing. Um, but the final one is about uh, Trump, um, and basically it's a, a full detailed background uh, into who Donald Trump is and how he ended up where he was. Uh, it's excellent. It's really really quirky, fun. It, it delivers 
I mean, each episode's about an hour and five minutes long, so it's all feature-length documentaries. Um, but it's done in the same style. If you watched Emron, it does its due diligence. It speaks to all the parties. It speaks to those that were convicted, those that weren't. Um, and the other one that I forgot was uh, HSBC and the money that they were making from the cartel. So, yeah, excellent. High recommend. One of the best things I've seen on Netflix in the documentary category for quite some time. Um, and... Uh, Every single one of them standalone stories, but every single one of them is done very, very well. So yeah, dirty money, check it out. All right, yeah, I've uh, I've heard some talk about that. I'm I'm curious to see that. Uh, it sounds like it will make me really mad. Well, I, well, yeah. There's the, like the HSBC one is the one that I I'd let, like I I started getting angry at my telly because uh, in the case of that one the you know, openly contributed to the, the the laundering of money for all these fucking horrible cartel groups for years, and they released a statement. The agreement with the American government was they would, by the way, done through Eric Holder, Obama's guy. So it was all done through Obama. Um, just in case anyone's out there thinking too much towards the Obama camp, man did make uh, several mistakes himself but um yeah so basically they all they did was admitted to uh impropriety and nothing happened to them um and one of the guys basically one of the the analysts says that when you become so big and so important to the economy you're unjailable nothing can happen to you because the the ripples through the economy and the stock market would be so great that it would crash it so at that right. stage you you are you above the law almost all you have to do is admit you did wrong and that's it no time spent from what i could gather no fines paid um nothing so they basically got let off with it and today uh hsbc posted and i, f- I saw this uh, when i was walking past the TV on the way back to my computer today at work. Uh, but HSBC posted record profits of $17 billion, uh, for the last financial year. So, uh, yeah, you'll get angry, but it's yeah. fascinating. The, the, the pharma one in particular is fascinating. Um, uh, from an outsider looking in, it's it's incredible. And I don't understand how your country exists. I don't, don't understand how anyone can afford anything in your country to do with medicine. It just blows my mind. Uh, and that's a conversation for Darren's podcast, but it, it really, really does. Uh, what about yourself? What else you been watching, Bo? I saw... Uh, uh, let's do this one first. I saw that new Hellraiser movie. <laughs> so have I. <laughs> and uh, it is... Uh, it's, not, it's not very good, but it's certainly not the worst of the series. Yeah, but that's that's like saying I stood in dog shit. It was dry dog shit and not wet dog shit. Yeah, I it's it's, it's a, it has some ideas that are specific to Hellraiser. I will give it that much. It is I, not a, a script that had been forged into a Hellraiser story with a two minute pin, pinhead cameo. It's like it's an honest to goodness Hellraiser story, and it's just kind of a dopey one. And and the movie is hamstrung by its budget. It just it wants to do a lot, and it just ain't got the the money for it. Let let, let me break down. I put out an episode where me and Andy Blockley 
chatted about this uh, come out by the time you hear this, it came out like about a week ago. Um, well, let me let me let me throw my hat into the into the ring here and let you know what I think of the movie. I think the opening 15, 20 minutes is a really interesting idea and concept, and I wish what they'd done is just ditched Pinhead altogether and focused on the Auditor, who is probably the best character that has appeared in the the Hellraiser series in quite some time. Funnily enough, played by the director. Um, so the, the director gave himself the best lines, um, sure. some of the best makeup, uh, and, and steals the show for the movie. Uh, and the idea and the concept I felt of, you know, it's like we've always said about the, the franchise just take it somewhere else. Like, let's, why do we have to be, uh, you know, chained, excuse the pun, um, to Pinhead at this stage? I don't understand it. Uh, what they basically do in this movie is like that, you know, technology, smartphones are replacing people's interests in wooden boxes. Um, so we need to we need to change things around a little. So they create this house uh, and then they send letters out to sinners inviting them to this house. And then they stra- and it was so fucking interesting. So they strap sinners into chairs and then using the the person's blood, they type up written confessions of the sins that they've done, which then a man comes into the room and eats. And if he throws it up, uh, the sins are quite bad. And then these gnarly looking women um, touch the, the the sick, the bile, uh, and then they pass judgment. And then the person's sent for cleansing. Um, I thought all that stuff was super interesting, super strong. I was like, it feels like a Nine Inch Nails music video, but right, we'll, we'll We'll let it off. Um, and then this cop story comes in because we need another cop story investigating a serial killer who's doing something with the Bible. And at that stage, you're like, well, this needs to be really well done. And you've got two police officers investigating a serial killer who's killed 12 people. No FBI. No, it's just two people looking at this case, but there's no FBI there at all. It's not been handed over at the feds yet. There's no press interested. There's no reporter. No. We, hey, we ain't got the money for that, Duncan. Yeah, like, literally, none of that. No one makes reference to it either. You know, the, the mayor's really writing the chief on this one. No, that conversation doesn't exist in this movie. These two guys just, like, fuck around. Uh, and, you know, and then... Oh, <laughs> the... The idea that we're moving it to spoiler territory. I'm sorry. Uh, please be warned. Jump ahead five minutes. Uh, the idea, and also don't necessarily watch this movie. Yeah, maybe. don't watch the movie. Don't watch the movie. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, don't watch this movie. Um, so yeah, the reveal, which was obvious, uh, who the killer is, uh, and his sins are too bad that it even repulses hell. I was like, fuck off, right? Like, where does that ever stop Pinhead and his crew? That angered me. And the the biggest crime of this movie, out with the terrible acting, I mean, terrible acting of the the mortals. I mean, this was a new low. The fact that Heather Langenkamp is on screen for a blink your eyes and you'll miss her. Remember when she was promoted as being like, she's going to be in this movie. Like, you blink your eyes and you honestly miss her performance. She's in it for next to no time at all. Um... But yeah, the, the biggest crime is that this movie actually sets up a fucking really interesting ending 
and then shits the bed right after it and, and couldn't stick to its convictions. So we have this scenario where we finally get the, the other side of the coin. We get Heaven's ambassador. I'm like, finally, this is interesting. Angels to some, demons to other, right? I, I like this. And um, the fact that, you know, Pinhead wants to take the killer away and she's like that. No, 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 no. God wants this guy to stay on Earth doing what he's doing because this will give people fear and drive them to him. And I'm like, that, this is fucking really interesting. This, this God that is prepared to uh, look the other way while all these horrible things are happening because it, uh, it will drive people to his cause. And, and Pinhead, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. He's coming with me. And she's like, no, he's going away. And then the guy even says himself, you know, he goes, eh, he's like that, um, something on the lines of, I'm glad I'm forgiven or something. And she's like, oh, no, you're not forgiven. Uh, you'll still be judged. You just won't be judged now. So they say, I'm free. And I'm like, that, that's a fucking really interesting ending. And then they kill him two seconds later. They fucking kill the guy. And I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? That you just, you've just ruined that. And then Pinhead's going to then kill the angel woman for no other reason than we need a scene where Pinhead's eviscerating someone. Why? I don't know. And then Pinhead's made mortal at the end of the movie. Why? And then we're just going to pretend that we can go to Germany. There was an after credit scene. I don't know if you saw that. Um, where I did, and it was real dumb. It was real dumb. And it finished, and it was like that. No, 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 no. You had a really good... Your movie wasn't great. You had a great 20-minute opening. It was a bit cheap looking, but I liked it. I thought it was interesting. And then you gave me the potential for a good end. Like a potential of a... Well, this is quite interesting, and we're tackling a bit more subject matter than we're usually at the end of a Hellraiser movie. And then you devolve into ev- the end of every Hellraiser movie. And Pinhead shouldn't be in this movie. They should do it. Well, I'm glad they have. Well, have they done away with the character? Who knows? Um, Pinhead shouldn't have been in the movie at all. We, we, you know, the, the, the idea, the use of a box comes in much later on, but this house exists out with the box. So we don't need that. Make this a story about, you know, some other way to play Hell's Game, and it's all to do with this house. And that's what you do. That's what the whole movie is. This movie is either a really interesting 20-minute shot, or you elongate that out. You don't have the cop story. It's fucking awful. Um, And yeah, yeah, I read plenty of things to, like over the last couple of days, once I get the internet infuriates me, bro, uh, of people saying, the movie's actually pretty good. And um. Blockley thinks this is the fourth best uh, Pinhead movie, fourth best Hellraiser movie, which is wrong. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, you could make an argument maybe for six or seven. I thought six. I thought maybe six. And yeah. here's the irony of the situation. You're saying this is the first fully fledged written Hellraiser movie, right? And it's about cops, like, touching the darkness to solve a crime and all the rest. Which is essentially yeah. what Part 5 is. Yeah, Part it, 5 is it, a better it, movie. Yes, you're right. And, and and this is... Yeah, I'm not saying it, it's a good movie. I'm saying there were... You know, what you were uh, 
discussing earlier that that there are ideas and themes that are at least touched on in this movie. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, that feels kind of like Clive Barker. And and you're right, the dude that that comes in and and eats the, the list of sins is maybe the coolest thing in the movie conceptually. Yeah. And it, I don't know. And I, I also wish like everyone you saw, it was just like, no, you're going to be cleansed and murdered, murdered. <laughs> and I wanted to see them be like, Oh no, you belong to us. Like you're, you're twisted enough to be part of this. Yeah. that, that when, when they come I across wish- him as the, the, the serial killer at that point, Penhead should be like, have you have you have you heard the good news? Can we recruit you? Right, the you know to think I hesitated. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's one of the greatest moments in the franchise for me is when you see a, a a Cenobite made. And if you wanted to come out like you know ball swinging mm-hmm. as a new Hellraiser movie, make a new Cenobite, man. Definitely, that I felt there was like to me, like I say, the best character, the one that was like. If if ever there was a time to pass the the mantle, it's to the auditor. I thought the auditor was a, such a great character, and he was funny. Like, <laughs> like, like I thought, like certain things he said uh, were were kind of very tongue in cheek, very black humor, um, and it's something that's been missing from this franchise for quite a while. And the, uh, why the 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 you know the, the fucking press that's went on about this new pinhead and his selection cast and all the rest he is in the movie as much as doug bradley would have been in the movie and i think he moves let he sits down and we see more of the back of his head than we do the front of his head throughout the majority of the film i think he has about seven lines in the movie um and he wasn't bad <laughs> he wasn't like if they wanted to cast him in a larger role, it would have been fine. He's no dumb. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know why they didn't lean into it a little more. It was almost like they were afraid they were fucking up. And yeah. as a result, didn't didn't lean into the shit that they made, made the movie cool and interesting. Yeah, and I, I think that's what I, I would agree with that statement. I think there was much more going on that they could have leaned into, which you could mine out to be like a really interesting movie and a new, bold, interesting direction for the franchise um, that they it did kind of feel like, they were like oh, but maybe the fans will like it if Pinhead isn't on screen um, when they don't understand that fans of Hellraiser now are this is a form of punishment this is what happens when you open the box is you have to descend through the entire franchise knowing each movie is likely to be worse than the one prior um i will say this isn't as bad as revelations it's not as bad as revelations i don't necessarily think it's as bad as hell world um uh, mm, i don't like i don't know i might flip like your love of five with hell world because i think hell world is kind of dumb yeah. in a way that i like and I don't think Ryan Lewis made me hate Deader Part Six um, in a way that I didn't think was possible uh, when when he basically spelled out the fact that they took um, Kirsty, who is this like innocent sweet girl, and then make make her a serial killer in that movie for no other reason than to fuck over her boyfriend. Um, and I was like, yeah, that doesn't seem like something that Kirsty would have done. Um, and you've ruined Kirsty. So yeah, so yeah, I think it probably does exist. Like seven on my list of of hellraiser movies yeah so they've done worse but like you said that's damning with with faint praise it is it is um and yeah i think it's 
I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I've still to see that new Hatchet movie, and I'm just kind of like, there is a reason why I think at times it's good that we don't have another Friday the 13th movie, if you know what I mean, because for every great incarnate, for every new Child's Play movie there is, where they're having fun with it, pushing it, and kind of doing quirky things and kind of sticking to the mythology in a fun way, there's a hellraiser judgment. And I think that needs to be that needs to be what the best thing that could happen to this franchise now is that Dimension relinquish the rights back to Clive Barker. Clive Barker signs a deal with Netflix and puts it on that platform. Yeah, it does some like adapting of his comic work. Yeah. Which some of those Hellraiser comics are real cool. Yeah. That's uh, what that's what needs to happen, I think, at this stage. There, there's a thing where Kirsty there's like Kirsty and her band of demon fighters. Mm-hmm. And at one point she has to go to hell and becomes queen of hell in order to destroy Pinhead. That's not who is then thrown out of hell and is mortal. Yeah. See, I would watch that. It's fucking rad. Yeah, that's uh, that's what needs to happen. And Netflix, if you're listening, more Clive Barker movies. I know you're loving the Stephen King at the moment. I love the Stephen King. Bo loves the Stephen King. We love a bit of Stephen King. We, we love, love the fact it. that that you're you're letting directors have a stab at his stuff. Give us some Clive Barker. So yeah. That was your your lips to Netflix's ear, Duncan. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll keep plugging away at that one and see see if I can make any any uh, headway at all. All right, right. I tell you, right. We'll, we'll swing this in because I know we want to talk about X Files. Uh, I I did watch some older movies. Uh-huh. Um, for no other reason than pure laziness. I haven't done a lot of horror watching in February, um, even though I have a horror podcast, uh, for the main reason that this happens every year. February is my cooling off point. Um, I cram in a lot of stuff towards the end of a year uh, in order to do my top 20 list. And then January becomes a month where I watch things that people have put on their top 10s or top 5s or top 20s that I hadn't seen. Uh, That when we swing into February, I take a little break. And watch some other stuff. However, the first title I will mention very, very quickly is a horror title. We ref- re- we reference it an insane amount on this show. Uh, it was Silence of the Lambs, um, and yeah, that movie. Never seen it. I really <laughs> need to watch that. That movie's fucking amazing. Like I just I th- I think some movies are just timeless classics, and I think Silence of the Lambs is just a timeless classic. I think it's a perfect movie. Yeah, I you're getting no argument out of yeah, me, man. I think it's just one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I just I sit and I watch it, and I'm like that. That's why it gets the Oscar. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's why this movie got an Oscar because it's just a little wall to wall, just fucking great storytelling, uh, great acting, great performances, um, dark and twisted way it needs to be. Uh, before Anthony Hopkins got a bit too campy with the role. Um, is still a bit more sinister. Yeah, it's just a fucking great movie. I followed it up with a not so great movie. I don't know why I did this, Bo. You know, like when you watch a movie and it, you know it's going to be shit. Um, and, I do. Yep. Yeah, uh, and I, I thought I had seen this movie, and it turns out I had seen The Specialist and not Assassins. Ooh, that is not a good film. Right. So I thought it was the same movie. Right. So. I thought I thought the specialist was assassins. 
um, and it wasn't. So I have seen. This I mean, bit. neither of them are terrific, but the Assassins oh. is a big step down. It's a bad movie, bro. <laughs> if memory serves, I haven't seen it in years and years, but I just remember it being incredibly boring. I just yeah, we have we have these two assassins. We have the we have Sylvester Stallone, the the kind of man who's looking for an out and retire number one assassin of all time and we have the young buck Antonio Banderas who is spunky angry and is wants nothing more than to be number one um with a bullet bow um and yeah there's a whole see what you did. yeah there's a whole lot of not action happening in that movie I'm like you have Sylvester Stallone and he's prime I mean this is like primo Sylvester Stallone action roles, you know, early 90s. This is just prior to him doing things like Demolition Man. Um, so, you know, this is kind of Sylvester Stallone. It's kind of post-Tangle and Cash. So uh, he's still wearing the, like, insanely high kind of trousers that he wears for some reason, like suit trousers that go way up past the navel. Um, not sure why, but that was his fashion back then. Uh, and sweater vests. Once again, not sure why. Um but and Antonio Banderas, who is, you know, I think at this point may have done Desperado. Um, so, you know, these two big action stars going face to face. And it is just a boring fucking movie about, you know, this kind of... Sylvester Stallone has a conscience all of a sudden because he fucked over his friend, you know, back in the day when he assassinated him uh, to become number one. All it is bad. And I is it? Uh, was that? Hold on, I got to look this up now because I think that might have been a Richard Donner movie, maybe. Oh, it must have been. Must have been. Uh, yeah, sure enough, Richard Donner directed uh, the film Assassins. And I think the specialist um, came out about the same time because, like, Sylvester Stone has identically the same haircut, which makes me think he filmed one and went right into the other. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Not a good movie. Really not a good movie. Um, and you know what? Because I remember quite liking the specialist because it's uh, James Woods is the villain and he plays a great villain. Yeah. And, uh, he's, I, he is a good villain he's in fucking, that movie. Yeah, he's, a, he's an awful human being, apparently, in real life as well. Um, but, you know, like, it, it's, and that's what I thought. Of. I don't know why I thought, because I just thought, like, Antonio, like, from the picture on the front, I was like, oh, Antonio Banderas must work for James Woods, and that's how that fits in the movie. And then I got about 20 minutes in there, and then the, the sinking realisation... I have never seen this movie before. I was like, well, Sylvester Stallone, you know, it, it's bound to pick up. No, it really, really doesn't. It's a fucking terrible, terrible movie. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, I, I watched that one. Uh, what was the other one I watched? Um, oh, there's at least one more I want to talk about. I can't remember what it is. Do you have something else you want to talk about while I try and find it? Yeah. Uh, have you, have you seen The Dead Shack yet? No, so this is the one that is the eighties horror comedy homage thing that's on Shudder. Yeah, I, I I don't know how much of a distinct eighties vibe there is. I guess maybe spiritually there's a bit of of that. Um, yeah, that's another movie that's okay. Mm. It's you know it like there are characters that I think are very funny, and it's much more comedy than horror for sure. Mm. 
Uh, it, it reminded me a bit of the babysitter. Oh yeah, uh, in in its tone. Um, but yeah, the the biggest problem is that the least interesting part of the movie is all the horror stuff. Oh no. Yeah, it's just really kind of dull and routine, and there's nothing really interesting about it. And there are characters who are kind of interesting, but um, it's yeah, it's all right. It you know uh, again a pretty textbook three star film. Yeah, you know you could go one side or the other of that line and and be probably fairly objectively correct. <laughs> um, I I don't think that there's. <laughs> I don't think there's a ton to it, like it. It's it stinks because a lot of the movies recently haven't gotten me too fired up one way or the other. Yeah, with the exception, Duncan, Ooh. of that fucking Day of the Dead remake. Yeah, the second bite at that apple. I, I I can't pull the trigger on it. I can't. I the trailer. I mean, looked so bad, Bo. It's it, yeah. It's it's that bad. Uh... <laughs> You, the trailer isn't lying to you. Um, <laughs> it's it's real dumb. It's it's pretty cheap. The acting is bad. The worst part of it is that it's trading on far more so than that Mina Suvari Day of the Dead film. Yeah, this movie is like trading on the ideas of like, oh, there's scientists and there are you know military people all in this facility and. There's a love story between two of them and all that. Uh, but it doesn't do anything interesting with any of that stuff. It doesn't flesh any of it out. It's it's a real honker. Um, it, it looks bad. It looks cheap. The acting's bad. Um, Bub, the friendly zombie, is replaced with uh, a real creep who just happens to have a good immune system. Ugh. And it's, yeah, it's all, like, every decision they make to change it from the original is stupid and and wrongheaded. And everything that they do to try to emulate the original, they fuck up. So, just on both sides of the coin, there there are poor decisions being made. And the only reason I saw it, because I've been watching, you know, movies I hear are good. And then I watch them, I'm like, eh. I mean, it's not that much better than the shit I normally watch. <laughs> um, but but Day of the Dead did kind of. <laughs> I'm just saying the leap between Dead Shack mm. and and some of the zombie movies I've seen for goofs, yeah, ain't that big. Um, and I but I would argue the same about the ritual too. But uh, at any rate, uh, but I, I was in on board for this Day of the Dead movie just because, you know, it's Day of the Dead. Yeah. And they said they're going to try to stick to the the original plot. I'm like, all you got to do is just do that. Mm-hmm. And it's at least a good story. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea of science versus uh, pure aggression to defeat this threat that's threatening to claim everyone. Hey, are, okay. You know, like you, you've got a good start. And then they fuck it all up. So, don't see Day of the Dead starring Jonathan Shage. <laughs> Jonathan who? Shage. <laughs> I remember the last movie. Uh, it's um, 
a movie that I, when I first saw it, I thought it was, uh, um, and the second time I watched it, I thought it was really good. And then this time I watched it, I, I once again thought it was really, really, really good. Um, is the Nicholas Winden Refn, because I'm on a bit of a, uh, an NWR um, bent at the moment. It's his um, movie he put out before The Neon Demon. Uh, it's a little movie starring Ryan Gosling called Only God Forgives. Um, I really like that movie. Um, and I'll tell you for why. Because uh, <laughs> I, I know that there's a lot of people out there that don't like that movie. Um, and I've heard the the criticism, and the criticism's pretty on the nose. Um, however... I would counter by saying that I think that Nicholas Winden Refn made a conscious decision, like a conscious choice um, after making Bronson, that he was really going to flex his exploitation interests and influences more in his movies. Like specific, he was going to start doing things that were more in keeping with his interests as a, a you know, as a not only as a film fan or cinephile, but as a filmmaker. And I think that's why you end up getting Drive, which Drive is, by all intents purposes, a 70s exploitation movie, just jazzed up, made a bit more arty. Um, and All of God Forgives is exactly the same. Um, what you have, have you seen it? Yeah. I have not seen that, but I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan. You're of, not the uh, biggest Wind and Refn fan, are you? I, I am not. So yeah, so basically it's um, Ryan Gosling, uh, and his brother run a a, a kind of kickboxing camp uh, out in I think it's Thailand, um, and uh, his brother is a piece of shit, a horrible, horrible human being, and he, he kind of does things he probably shouldn't do, gets a bit too full of himself, and this cop kills him. Um. But this cop is as close to... This cop is basically on Michael Myers. It's fucking amazing. Um, he is the shape as this small Asian man. And it's worth watching just for him. He's fucking terrifying. Um, so uh, Gosling finds out who, who basically has set all this up. Um, and... He uh, he goes to his hunt leads him to this person who ultimately knows it's the cop, but this person kind of takes responsibility. And Gosling decides that he's going to let the guy off, uh, but his mother arrives, and his mother's like fucking insane, just like a proper like gangster mother, and uh, she arrives into into town, basically dismisses her son. Um, and she kind of takes over and she gets her son's henchman to, to kill this guy, which basically sets off a chain reaction of this killer cop killing everyone, <laughs> like hunting them all down, like Michael Myers. Um, Gosling says maybe about five lines of dialogue in the entire movie. He's a strong, silent type. Um, there isn't a whole hell of a lot of dialogue. The movie is fucking red as balls it's red lighting everywhere um, and it's just it is, every shot is like a painting 
is just this beautiful, brutal movie. There is a scene where a guy basically gets picked apart um, piece by piece by this cop who tortures the shit out of him. And it is slow and painful on the screen. Um, yeah, I think it's... I, I, the longer time has went on, the more I gravitate towards it, but the more it feels like Wind and Refn's niche, in my opinion, is when he makes kind of artistic or art house versions of exploitation ideas from the 70s. And yeah, I, I would recommend you check it out, actually. I think there is plenty of horror references going on in that one, specifically with the killer and the way shots are set up with him as this. He is, but, but for all intents and purposes, a Jason Voorhees or a Michael Myers. Um, and it's just a, a fucking fascinating movie. Really, 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 really good. Uh, and yeah, Only God Forgives by Nicholas Winden Refn. Yes, the criticisms yeah, I, are fair, Bo. There is not a lot of dialogue. And, you know, it is a bit too pretty and it moves a bit slower in pace. Uh, but it is gnarly. And the C- Cliff Martinez soundtrack is amazing. You know, I, I he's one of those guys that thus far has, has struck me uh, as someone I would much rather see as a... DP uh-huh. or cinematographer than I would as a director. I think he's got an amazing eye. I think he makes beautiful movies. I just am bored all the shit watching him. Yeah, I'm not like that. Uh, I don't know. Like, I know, I know. He's got I, his I, own I, streaming I wish... site coming. You know that? His own streaming site? Yeah, he's created a... It should be out in the next month or so. Um, so basically he is... Because he, he really has a love of cinema. Like, like a ridiculous love for movies that you just can't get your hands on. Like, I got a book, I'll need to send you like a picture of it. Um, I got a book that he published three years ago. Uh, it's this massive, huge coffee table book um, of posters, poster artwork of like exploitation movies um, that he just loves. Like, so he got them all in there. And he's been behind a lot of. Um, a lot of remasters of a you know, kind of genre cinema, like when the reference put his name to, you know, to, to get things off the ground and pushed forward a little bit in terms of production. He's obviously very good friends with Jodorowsky, who, believe it or not, has actually officially adopted him. I don't know if you knew that. that feels right. <laughs> like, yeah, jo- jo- that, like, that adds up. Like Jodorowsky saw Bronson um, and said, <laughs> apparently, that after he saw Bronson, he said uh, it was one of the most wonderful movies he's ever seen. He wanted to meet the director. He met, he met him and then adopted him as his son. Uh, which, which is fucking nuts. But uh, like, but that's also Yodorowsky too. Yeah, he's like, are- oh, I see him. He's beautiful. His movie is so beautiful. I see him. I, I got to have him as my son. He's my son. Yeah. He's my son. He is, he is now my child. As if I pushed him from my loins. <laughs> but he's still. I love our Jodorowsky impression and it's nothing like him, but I love the fact that we're sticking with it and both of us uh-huh. are partially racist because of it. Um, but yeah, so like he's got, but he's like genuinely got this like passion for these kind of movies. So he is launching a streaming site, uh, which I believe is free. Um, and it's going to, it's going to play like 
these hard to find exploitation movies. Okay, so, I'm on board with all that. That sounds cool. Yeah, so um, it can't be that far away either because I, I signed up for it towards the end of last year. I think the official announcement was for about April. Uh, it was going to go live. But yeah, it was just another avenue, just another thing he's doing at the moment. Um, yeah, I would. I, even if you're not a fan of his stuff, I think the conversation between me and you talking about some of the things he does and Only God Forgives is worthy of the watch. Okay, I, I, you know, at some point I will, I will certainly give it yep. a look. I, it turns out I've got a lot of yep. shit to watch. Watch uh, it from the point out. of view of this is kind of nods to Halloween, and that the, there is a slasher element in there, but it's in the back um, to everything else that's going. I, I, I think you get a lot more out of it. Yeah, and I, I can appreciate a film on an aesthetic level mm. as well, and 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 certainly, uh, like. Uh, you know, as a director, he he does not fail to make his movies appealing visually. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's probably about enough of that. <laughs> um, let's get into uh, some X Files. Uh, tell you what, let's uh, let's do a quick break here. We'll play a commercial, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, episode six of season eleven. Kitten, Schmitten, kitten. If it had been called Schmidt and Kitten, I would have shat myself. <laughs> like, literally. That's that's the true X5. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Cursed Earth, the Psycho-Semantic Cast. Let us face without panic the reality of our time. The fact that atom bombs may someday be dropped on our cities. And let us prepare for survival by understanding the weapon that threatens us. To have a, uh, an ignorant, uh, thin-skinned megalomaniac uh, who sends off uh, you know, Twitters at 3 a.m. if somebody angered him. The neo-Nazis turning up in Washington, D.C. to have a rally saying, Heil Trump. We talk about politics. I knew I couldn't trust you corporate greaseballs. We talk about movies. You can't come down here and arrest people just because of what they look like. Are you crazy? But that's police harassment. We talk about political movies. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. They're all around us and we never knew them. You can only see them with these special glasses. The Psycho Semanticast. All right. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Uh, that's how quickly we kick back in. That's right. And Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Because we don't want you to walk away from this episode completely dumber than when you entered into it, we like to give credit uh, to the writers and directors of uh, the episodes. Mm. Kitten uh, is directed by Carol Banker, uh, who has directed a bunch of television previously, and also is credited with letting me know that The Vampire Diaries was still on in 2017. No, it's not. It is. She directed an episode, unless she's joking. Um, and then, what I like about her surname is if you put your fingers either side of your mouth and pull your lips kind of far back and try and say it, it sounds dirty. Like Carol, like uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, right. sounds like you're saying wanker. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> All right, forget what I said about being smarter on the other end of this episode. Um. 
So uh, the the writer uh, of this episode, a gentleman named Gabe Rotter. It's the writer's um, name has... ever I heard one. Oh, sure. He um, was a writer on only this episode. Although he has been a um, like miscellaneous crew guy, whatever the fuck that means, like an assistant. Is that literally about, are we now in the, the Nightmare on Elm Street you know, system of picking people to be involved with writing and directing. What did you do in the previous movie? <laughs> or you held the boom mic. You're directing <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Is that literally where yeah. we are now? What did you do? Miscellaneous person, right? You can write an episode. I made sandwiches. <laughs> James. How do you feel about writing? How did James get into the writing room? I've been here all along. <laughs> Can you tell us what the None of- Can you tell us what the atmosphere in the writing room is like, James? Well, nobody looks like Laura, <laughs> and that's frustrating. And I'm confused. <laughs> Everyone, no one makes any sense. I'm sure that you're uh, an asset to the, the writing team in the X Files. <laughs> I've been doing all the music. How does that music go? <laughs> You're really good at that. Much better than you. Thank you. Be. <laughs> so, as you mentioned, Duncan, this episode is called Kitten. Kitten, Kitten. Schmidt Kitten. And <laughs> I'm so glad that's made its way back onto the show after about a year and a half. Yeah, oh, it feels good. <laughs> um and we we start in Vietnam. <laughs> let me let me set the stage for you. Creedence Clearwater Revival is playing, Duncan. Yep. The doors are playing in the background. Yep. The Beach Boys could be playing <laughs> in the background. Who's playing in the background? And, uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival. I said that originally. I'm sticking with it. So, um, <laughs> as Run Through the Jungle or Born on the Bayou or whatever the fuck plays, mm-hmm. um, they're in a helicopter. It's a, a group of U.S. soldiers uh, in a helicopter, and it's uh, a fat guy that looks like he ate uh, Holy Haley Joel Osment. <laughs> And <laughs> and then still doesn't look old enough to hold a weapon, right? It, it, he looks like he is an underaged, overweight soldier who has a, a severe case of tiny face, tiny tiny face. Those eyes are like and, so close together and right in the middle. It looks like his cheeks are in a like a war with the rest of his face that his cheeks are slowly winning. He looks like drop dead Fred after his face gets smashed in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks not unlike ginger dead. His face is like the moon in the Smashing Pumpkins uh, music video tonight. Right. It is the, like, Lumiere trip to the moon. 
face on a human mm-hmm. body. And and then another guy who uh, looks somewhat like Matthew Modine um, from from uh, Full Metal Jacket. And then they've got another guy who could be a cheap Vigo Mortensen. He looks. Oh, All that's of- who it was. He did yeah. look like it's Vigo. Yeah, he he's naked. He's fighting a bunch of Russians in a bathhouse. Oh, such a good movie. Yeah, we Eastern Promises is a movie I can watch any old time. Yeah. That movie is just fun. Okay, Cronenberg, uh, we love you. Mm-hmm. Adopt us, so, please, like John Derosky did with, with Nicholas Winden Ref and Adopt Duncan and Bo. Yeah. Oh, you boys, you watch uh, Crimes from the Future. <laughs> you're, you're my sons now. I was just making sure that that's you doing John Derosky again, isn't it? And not David Cronenberg. <laughs> I assume they're the same person. <laughs> they have the same accent, Duncan. I don't know what you're trying to say. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, it turns out one of these dudes is Walter Skinner, the one who looks like Matthew Modine, which is revealed at the end of this whole scene, but who gives a shit? Yeah. And so Skinner is there with <laughs> uh, the... Somewhat melted Haley Jolosnet. <laughs> oh my god! He does. He does look like. It looks like a. It looks like a really misshapen snowman. It yeah. It's like if Haley Joel Osment, uh, Haley Joel Osment doll, got left on the radiator. Yeah. Not enough to destroy it, but enough to change it for enough to warp it, boys. <laughs> yeah. So at any rate, so Haley Joel Osment is uh, a big scared, scaredy cat, Schmitten mm-hmm. kitten, um, who is like, oh, I'm gonna die, man. He's like, uh, not as fun as Hicks. Yeah. Uh, he's more in the camp of praying and whatnot, yeah. and uh, young Skinner. Is like, all right, it's going to be cool. I'm going to take care of you. And then their commander or whoever is like, hey, you got to get this box to another team and don't open it. Don't. It is the most critical thing. Like, your lives are not as important as this box getting to wherever in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so they land, they get some fire from the trees. It's all very exciting. Uh, three of the soldiers, including Skinner and, uh, the, you know, Pillsbury Doughman version of <laughs> Haley Joel Osment. Um, does kind of look like the Michelin the, man a wee bit. He does. He's, you know, it's the Stay Puft Marshmallow It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. We tell you a story about a Haley Joel I know. Um, so it's a busboy's joke. Uh, and uh, so they unload out of the helicopter. They're dragging this this uh, basically it's the size of like a Foot Locker or something, mm-hmm. and it says MK Naomi on it. And if you have ever watched the X Files or listened to Art Bell or <laughs> any. Uh, any conspiracy website has ever been visited in your life, you probably know MK Ultra mm-hmm. 
was the government program. That was a real thing, in fairness, uh, where they were trying to mind control yeah. people. And using sometimes unwitting test subjects. It was all very nefarious. So when you see MK whatever, you're like, uh-oh, some mind control shit is about to go down. And uh, so as they're carrying the this crate of MK, Naomi, whatever, uh, through the jungle, they start taking some fire. One of them gets shot. And then um, the uh, overinflated Haley Joel Osment <laughs> balloon... And young Skinner duck into this hut mm -hmm. where a Vietnamese family is, you know, huddled and terrified because there are gunshots going on all around them. It's several families, actually, it seems like. And um, uh, young Skinner is like, I got to go back for the dude what got shot on our way in here. And uh, Haley, Haley Joel Osment uh, says, no, uh, you got we got to take care of this box. And Skinner's like, fuck that, I'm going to go get this guy. And then more gunshots pop off. And while um, the overstuffed Haley Joel Osment is in there with this family, bullets pierce the MK Naomi crate, mm -hmm. spilling out this green gas. Yes. And so then we cut outside the hut where uh, Skinner, young Skinner, is saving the other soldier and it, they look back at the hut and there is a comical amount of green gas coming out of this ridiculous thing. yes and so they're like we should probably run in there uh and which they do and it turns out that Haley Joel Osment's new workout regimen <laughs> is just stabbing Vietnamese families yeah and he has done murdered everyone and then shouts monsters. And then you see from what looks like young Skinner's point of view, like Haley Joel Osment come at him and then is a monster for a second. And then that's when there's the reveal of, oh, it's Skinner. It's Walter Skinner in Vietnam and crazy shit was happening even then. I mean, I'm glad... With I'm glad that Haley Joel Osment obviously has had a, a, a rich and fruitful career that his very infamous line of I see dead people from the sixth sense is not tailored or uh, being carried around uh, typecasting him into roles when in this particular episode of the X-Files his tagline is basically I see monsters. <laughs> it's like just... <laughs> Why is he well played? Why is he in this episode? Why is he in this? Well, so, you know, I, I I like him on Silicon Valley. Yeah, uh, he he's popped up on that show, and I don't think he's a bad actor. Actually, I think he's all right. Why is he it's in just that, this episode, Bo? I I don't know. Maybe it's just he. <coughs> it's a bit of stunt casting or something. Maybe it seems. I don't. I don't yeah. think he's right for this role. No, it's just it. There, yeah. I mean, I guess we can just get into this right now because later he plays the older version. Or in theory, he would play the older version of himself or they would find someone to be an actor who plays the older version of yeah. him. But what they do is they just say that he is the son of this dude, Skinner New in Vietnam, yeah. that looks exactly like Minus him. a scar. That's how you can differentiate right. them, Bo. That's how you know they're not the same person because Daddy had a scar. 
on his face, and the son uh, uh, doesn't have a scar. Well, and my God, there is a photo of like his dad. Yeah. That is the most photoshopping that ever got photoshopped. One of the worst things I've seen in this show thus far. Well, we need to open the next file on that. <laughs> yeah, it's oh my god, it's it's just incredible. So, all right, uh, let's we we cut to the credits and our our post credits. Like you know, the truth is out there. Is uh, is like uh, the war is never over. Yeah. And it's like, all right, I see what's going on here. I guess I'm I'm fine with this. Um, we're doing war allegory. Uh, let's let's do it. Mm-hmm. And it says actually, I think you'll find it says war. What is it good for, Bull? Absolutely war, nothing. <laughs> war never changes, Duncan. Oh, let's play Fallout. Uh huh. Yeah. Actually, what it says is it does it in Jackie Chan's voice. It goes, "Whoa, who?" What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Hoo-ha. That's a good Jackie Chan, so don't start your shit. It's, no, it is a good Jackie Chan. I, I was just getting out of the way of it, man. <laughs> I wish I wasn't as wheezy as I am, because I've had the cold, or I would be doing my Chris Tucker. Uh, oh, wheezy. Yep. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Well, now we're moving on up to the modern times, Duncan. Yep. Oh, man, that segue was so good. So good. Uh, so good. And uh, Mulder and Scully, and like, here's kind of what I like about this episode, is it seems like somebody uh, in charge was finally like, what the fuck is going on in this show? Hang on. Get Mulder and Scully in here. Yeah, fin- finally. Well, I think on the last episode, we noted that Skinner's just like, oh, Mulder needs to see me. Let me jump on this helicopter. Even like Skinner on that episode's like, that. what the fuck is going on? Like you, you're like inspecting cases that I don't know anything about. I'm hearing reports from other police officers and other departments. So you're just shoving your nose into it. What the fuck is going on here? What 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 are we doing? What are we doing here, people? But then he still jumped on a helicopter and flew it and stood on the end of a boat and spoke to Mulder for two minutes or whatever um, and this kind of protracted scene and all there is that I, I'm still at that right so who's I think we said at the time was like did we think that uh, Skinner's colleagues were just like that I don't know maybe just like hangs around with you know maybe just like some maybe he's the the third wheel on a on, on a weird menage a trois or something like that this episode, they, they very quickly address the fact that, like, Mulder and Scully have come back to the X-Files, and since they have, um, like, Skinner's not performing like he should, and no one has a fucking clue what's going on, and as a result, the, the next, I think he, is this guy also an assistant director? Yeah, or deputy director, or so, who gives I, I'm going to say it's Skinner's somebody... boss, but he pulls them in anyway. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, hey, you two, their fuck is Skinner and don't don't give me any bullshit about aliens and kids and all the stuff that we've forgotten about for the past few episodes. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. Skinner <laughs> is like, he doesn't talk to us about much, really. And especially this season, he just kind of pops in for a second and then is gone. Mm-hmm. You might have noticed him uh, flying and or driving 
to meet us in South Carolina for a five minute meeting. And then he took the fuck off. (laughs) And, and he's like, yeah, we've noticed that. And that's why he hasn't gotten a promotion. Like he should be the director of the FBI if he wanted to be, but he keeps covering for your renegade asses. Mm -hmm. And that's why, uh, he's, he's never progressed in the bureau beyond what he should. And in, again, to give credit where credit is due, yep. it it answers some questions about why the hell no one was concerned about what was going on in the FBI. Not all of them. I mean, let's face it, Mulder is still a murderer. Oh, yeah. A couple of times over yeah. without any that club on this episode. But well, it really, does... does kind of, but doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, but what it does do is that it allows them to have the discussion of whether or not Skinner is on their side, which, you know, certainly refers back to the first episode. And it, it seems to be trying to make something coherent of all of this. But as <laughs> you said earlier, it may just be too little too late. I think it's so. Like, 11 like... seasons and we're what six episodes into this season. And now we're getting some Skinner backstory. And, it's like, how are we trying to... My concern is, how are we trying to pivot Skinner in this episode? Um, because I don't think they do enough to do what I think they want to do. And that is my concern. Is that I feel at this stage, it's far too... It's too little they're doing, and it's far too late that they're doing it at this stage to try and segue a Skinner episode in here. Um, and that's not to say that I, I, I am. I think by this point we should add about four or five Skinner episodes. Um, we spent. We, we certainly have spent time. We've had like what three fucking origin stories for the smoking man. We could at least had at least one origin story for Skinner by now. Uh, and the one they give us is really more just kind of this is. Let's take a look at Skinner. Um, let's answer this question: Why Skinner never been promoted? Um, and his dedication to covering Nazis and Mulder and Scully from the wrath of the rest of the FBI. Um, and I don't necessarily think those marry up with his actions in this series thus far. So I don't understand what we're doing. <laughs> like, I think that's my, my, my issue. Is I th- in principle, I think this uh, is a good idea. Let's give us some more Skinner. Let's, let's, p- let's pivot them back into the X-Files. I think that's pretty cool. But nothing up until this episode has even remote, remotely made me feel that he is part of the team. And at this stage now, that we are what four episodes from the end. What are we doing here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that's the big problem is that hey, if this were a consistent mythology that had run through season eleven, yeah. then this episode would feel like it it was more important yes yes exactly and and but because you can never tell from episode to episode <laughs> what the show is going to choose to care about <laughs> what Mulder the, or scully are going to show up in the episode <laughs> right or i mean yeah I, there's just no telling so it's kind of like it, it just drains it of any sort of gravity yeah and that is a real bummer. It is. Um, it is because, like I've said before, Skinner is 
one of my like gen- genuinely when they announced that Mitch Pelay was coming back in this season and in the previous season, I was stoked because to me he is an integral part of the X Files. You know, he's what made the show. Like I, I used to love his character. We had we've had episodes maybe not fully dedicated to Skinner, but episodes where he's played a bigger part. And there, and we've said it before, where his allegiances have lay throughout the entire X Files have never been totally clear. And I kind of like that. And I feel like he's been shoehorned uh, and always blackmailed into a position in this season that I don't feel Skinner would do. Um, and I don't think the state, like, yeah, the, the stakes are not, the stakes are supposed to be so great in this episode. Uh, or this season, and we're gonna take some. We're gonna take another. This is another episode when the world's almost, almost on the brink of being destroyed. But this is another episode where we're gonna go away for a jolly somewhere. Um, you know, one one short episode, and it's it, to give you an idea of time frame as well. They said that Skinner has been weird for the last couple of months, so what we're seeing is we're going to assume that in the last couple of months the reveal from the smoking man happened etc so we're a couple of months in from the first episode of the season uh, and nothing seems urgent I mean their son you know once again is on the back burner uh, Skinner thinks his son's dead remember because Mulder told him well, all this stuff it's just once again shelved to the side in favour of well Skinner's missing. Let's go and find yeah. him. Um, we don't. We, well, we don't care about the kid this episode. This is about Skinner. Yeah, we don't care about the the kid this episode or the the destruction of the Earth, and we're going to have this assistant director or you know, assist you know or director of the FBI is going to send Mulder and Scully to find Walter Skinner. They've only been back a couple of months. You're the fucking FBI. You don't need to send two agents to deal with the wacky cases to hunt down your assistant director. And guess what? You have like a crack team of people that can fucking find them at the touch of a button. Did he actually order them to find him though? Well, this is the or thing. Or were they just like, we're just going to go find him? And he was like, fine, whatever. He says, where is he? And he says, he needs, he, you need to find, I don't know if he says you need to find out where he is or... You know, you know more than you do know, or whatever, however he sets this up, right? But Mulder's first recourse is, will go to his apartment, which I'm like, that the FBI would have been there by then. So they would have opened that envelope on his table. It's just so fucking dumb, right? It's just dumb. This is what happens when the stagehand writes the fucking episode, right? It's, it doesn't make any sense, Bo. Right, well, uh, they go so far at least as to say he's been poking his nose where it doesn't belong lately, according to rumor, I guess, yeah. <laughs> around the car. Co- hey, hey, have you heard about Skinner? And the watering killer. <laughs> the yeah. watering killer, people like that. You know, I think he's poking around the stuff he's not supposed to. You know, me, as director of the FBI, with all my subordinates, I have heard on the grapevine, no fucking physical <laughs> evidence, no evidence at all. Hearsay uh, tells me that Skinner may have been poking his nose into things that he shouldn't have, uh, which I can't Are, tell you because it's above your finger. Fuck off. Right. Like, well, what kind of things? Well, I I don't know. It's just stuff he shouldn't look yeah. into. Well, how do we know he shouldn't look into yeah. it? it? It's just that's 
that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's just a lot of dumb that's stuff. A lot if you scratch dumb, at it yeah. just a little bit. Like, I hadn't even thought about the fact that they show up and there is an obvious package yeah. <laughs> Addre- addressed to Skinner. Let's just get all right. So whatever happens, where they're like, we're going to investigate, or he tells them to investigate, doesn't matter because who cares? Yeah, who cares? And so they go to Skinner's apartment, and they do find a package that's like addressed to uh, like Private First Class Walter S. Skinner, the Army guy, not the FBI guy, <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> what to make a clear distinction here we're not looking for the guy that looks after Mulder and Scully and takes hits from what this guy that used to kill Viet Cons <laughs> that's the guy yeah that guy and so the yeah you're right the fact that the FBI if they truly thought that they had an assistant director who had gone AWOL they would have gone into the house yeah it seemed the letter that is placed right on the table which Skinner's placed right on the... T- like, Skinner opened the letter, um, and we can talk about what's inside it. There's a desiccated ear in this. And why... I, I, like, do, I don't... Un- do both. I don't, under- <laughs> I don't understand why, for one thing, Skinner kept the ear in the envelope. Yeah, why did he package it back up and put it in it? Doesn't make any fucking <laughs> He's one of those assholes that saves Christmas wrapping, you know? <laughs> Like, has to peel the tape away. You're like, what are you what doing? You're not going to reuse that. it back up in the gauze that it comes in, and it puts it in the... Uh... Right. Why didn't he immediately go to his boss yes. and say, here's this thing that happened to me in Vietnam. It was super weird. My, my friend, who I haven't seen in forever, apparently just sent me an ear. Yeah. And I might need a couple of PTS. Yes. Yeah. Well, listen, I need some time. I need some personal days to deal with some stuff that's come up. Uh, remember, I am a war veteran, um, and the code, the brotherhood that we have in that, uh, you know, it, it means I have to do this. I know you'll understand. Go and keep an eye out on Mulder and Scully because I don't know what they're doing at the moment. All I know is I'm seeing things come in, and I don't know. They're all over the country looking at weird shit. Uh, if you can look after them. I'll be back in three days, I promise. Done. No, Skinner just, like, like yeah. Skinner opens the letter, sees the ear, goes, ah, I need to travel to this place, wraps the ear back up, puts it in with the letter, doesn't take the letter with him, puts it perfectly placed on his uh, kitchen table, so when anyone breaks into his property, it's the first thing they see. Oh, this episode. It... I'm going to make you hate it, Bo. I'm going to make you hate it. That's my job. Yeah, I I think maybe you're going to do what I did to you the last day. Yes, revenge. Revenge. (laughs) Revenge. Revenge me. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so, anyway. And maybe, here's my working theory, is that Skinner was just like, well, I, they get away with it all the time. I don't see why I should have to tell anybody where I'm going or what I'm doing. How about somebody Walter Skinner, Walter Skinner for a change? <laughs> it's not as if I have an entire department and building to, like under me with all these things to do. In modern school, I don't have those things. It's not as if I have that. I, you know, I'm just going to take some me time, goddammit. 
Right, like take a big old dive in Lake Walter. Oh, the and... Walter Skinner should have over Brimley's voice because he's doing a Mulder. He is kind of doing a he's Mulder. He's totally doing episode. a Mulder in this episode. He's pulling a Mulder. All right, well, uh, we're going to shift. <laughs> hashtag Mulder 2. Um, hashtag Mulder 2. Uh, Skinner is Mulder 2 <laughs> in this scenario. And, all right, so Mulder and uh, and Scully decide to take off to this small town mm-hmm. w- from whence the ear came. Yes. And again, nobody in the FBI <laughs> thought, like, hey, the ear letter, maybe that's where we should start looking. Yeah. At any rate. So they, <laughs> they show up in this town, and they're like, yeah, uh, it, it's funny that you showed up with this ear. Because we got a body in the morgue. Uh, what's missing in here? Yeah, when they're going to the police department as they're walking up, there's this kind of weird, drunk, homeless war veteran. And there's like, I'm not going to tell you where Kitten is. And I was like, oh, first reference to Kitten. She may think Kitten. Um, but yeah, then they go in and speak to the cop and there's a body missing an ear. And this cop is just not interested. <laughs> it's like the, one of these yokel, lazy cop. And, you know, maybe there's some stuff, but what's the point? <laughs> well, all right. So during the the course of this uh, examination of the body, it turns out like he died as part of some hunter trap, but is also missing an ear. But they're saying it was just an accident. And also he's missing some teeth. And it turns out like everybody in town just has teeth falling out their heads. Yeah, like I, I know what... <laughs> You know, I was me and my wife were talking about this at the breakfast table. I've lost two recently. She lost one yesterday. <laughs> well, that like, are, can we are, are losing teeth not an important thing? Like, if you lost two teeth in short succession and your wife lost it, I'd be concerned. But they're just laughing about it at the breakfast table. Well, <laughs> you've lost another two. <laughs> uh, I I'll tell you. I don't know if you noticed Billy this morning. He got his first permanent teeth in on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and they were dropping out by Thursday. It's just the funniest it's the thing. the funniest thing. The funniest thing. It is in no way an alarming health <laughs> crisis in our own home. <laughs> where grown people are losing teeth like we're all undergoing some sort of chemotherapy that we're just not aware mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, of course none of that happens because... Jimmy, who was mopping up by the craft table, wrote this episode. God damn it, Jimmy. Jimmy. I know his name is Gabe, but he's Jimmy for yep. now. Until he learns what he's done. Um, fuck you, Jimmy. So, so the one big revelation out of all this is like, well, this hunting thing that he was killed with, it's a, a, a punji stick. Yeah. Uh, he was killed by a trap commonly used uh, against American soldiers in Vietnam. And uh, Mulder is like, well, is he, What is this dude uh, a soldier from Vietnam? Uh, as per the theory I had in the car ride yeah. over that I'm sure is Yeah, right. Mulder is like totally, he was smug in that car journey there. He's like, that. yeah, we'll probably find him. I bet you we'll probably find that the body missing in here. Former Vietnam vet. Uh, yeah, like, that's that's him, Mulder. And he gets told no, which is kind of funny. Like, no. Right, he's like, he, he, he played gay, so he didn't have to go. He didn't go. Uh, 
it's not what they say, but <laughs> I assume that's what happened. And <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> and and so Mulder's like, well, shit. That was, you know, that was my, my big theory for this episode, and now I got nothing. So once again, we're just going to wander around and let shit happen. And, and we, This is what they which, do. They wander, like, this is the entire season. They walk about until the case solves itself. Yeah, and it, it once more happens uh, in Schmidt and Gideon. And, all right, so then we, we cut away from that to a dude out in the woods hunting who um, starts seeing monsters and whatnot and then falls into a Yes, hole. falls into a hole which has these um, wooden spikes at the bottom. Yeah. And so he's all dead. And so then we see Skinner uh, who finds the yeah. body. Comes out, flashes a flashlight. And then we are with the hunter's friend who basically tells him that, you know, they were out in the woods, thought, he, you know, he thought he was being played by visions of monsters. And, you know, like, this is how he found them. He's in this hole, blah, blah, blah. blah. And um, I, I, I love this scene because it's just like, when was anyone going to acknowledge the large fucking black plastic blocks on this tree? So the hunter didn't notice it. The police officer didn't notice it. Um, I think it's, it's either Scully or Mulder find it, but it's at the end of the conversation when they're about to go, like, what's that, that black box over there? And like, oh, it's one of these deer cameras which basically only switches on when it detects motion. And they're like, can... Well, and we before we do that, we have to establish that everybody's losing more teeth around. Yeah, this, the, the, the hunter's friend is talking about how many teeth that he's lost. And I only point that out just so later we can talk about how that comes to nothing. It, it comes to fuck all, bro. But then it plays it off right at the very end as well as if it means something. And I'm assuming it doesn't. Otherwise... Skinner's not going to have any teeth by the end of the fucking season. But, as, yeah, so, yeah, so everyone's losing teeth. Um, and then they're like, oh, this deer camera that's here. And then the policeman's just like, oh, yeah, we should be able to just hook that back up at the station and get work. How do you know that? Where's it streaming to? Do you know if it's saving it? Do you know if it has an internal memory? How do you just know we can take it back and it'll just work? You don't know that. You got it pretty good idea <laughs> that's it. i mean that feels right doesn't it everyone like what i said it might not be true but it could be i mean can we all agree to that much <laughs> if he'd said that that would have been amazing <coughs> but yet they take away this fucking box and they plug it into his computer and the quality is fucking almost hd bo from this stupid little deer cam thing so much so because they can see Skinner standing overlooking the hole and they're like well that's our killer there and then they manage to zoom in <laughs> like Yoko enhance yeah, there's Yoko's police station thing enhance <laughs> and that's the scene <laughs> which is just fucking ridiculous <laughs> it's not in the bureau or anything like that it's in the sheriff's office but then <laughs> yeah his old Windows 98 computer they're Enhance. <laughs> it doesn't pixelate or anything in the sea skinner. And they're like, oh. So the police officer's like, this is our killer here. This is our guy. The guy standing over the hole. And then 
Scully does the worst job ever of defending Skinner. She's like that. He's like, um, oh, this is just too sloppy for Skinner. She's like, not that I'm saying that he's killed anyone. I'm just saying that if he did kill someone, he wouldn't have done it sloppily. You know, he's he's too clever because he's like, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you, what are you doing? No, your opening sentence is the Skinner I know would not kill anyone. Or not knowing, like, and all, what are you doing, Scully? Also, why would you not show this monster picture? To the sheriff, which they find yeah, two to... minutes later, they find like like Mulder then forwards through the video and finds this perfect snapshot of this monster creature. And you're right, Bo. This isn't a we see it, but then it disappears. It's not like sinister, where you know, there's something in the corner that's not there when you look at it again. It's a perfect freeze frame. Right. All you got to do is be like, look. Apparently, this dude was there. This dude dressed like a monster. Yep. So, you know, when your neighbor was saying he was seeing monsters, what about this? Don't make any sense. And instead, right, and they're just like, we better keep this under our hat (laughs) for no good reason. (laughs) Let's let's keep this vital piece of evidence to ourselves, which will also lead to nothing. (laughs) Right. So once again, fumbling their way into the investigation, the one thing that they do sniff out is that Kitten, Schmitten, kitten, kitten. Uh, the weird guy on the stoop uh, is saying like, "Oh yeah, I showed the eagle where to find the w- walrus," <laughs> and and Mulder, M- and, Mulder, like being master of deduction, goes, "Is the eagle bald?" Right. That's his big contribution to the episode is realizing that this dude gave Skinner directions. Yeah. And so presumably they get directions out of him as well, because we cut from that to see He's already there. Right. So he has found the this house where the walrus lives. <laughs> Cuckoo kachoo. What's really and, funny is what's really funny is that Haley Joel Osmond was in a movie called Tusk that I hate. <laughs> that's true. Which had the human that's walrus. True. So uh, six degrees of separation yeah. but and and so Skinner gets out there, and if we're doing the the Brimley for, for I have Skinner to do the Brimley episode, for the whole of Skinner. It would be it would be a real like. I'll tell you what uh, I like his land. He's got a lot of land. goddammit. it. I mean, uh, who doesn't want to get away from it all? You know, get away from the the lights and the sirens. goddammit. it. <laughs> Just have have a rifle. Gut your own deers. Drink drink the blood of your kills. <laughs> sounds sounds amazing, and. So Skinner uh rolls into uh Is it wrong that I want is it wrong that I really wish that the movie Predator had Wilford Brimley in it in the lead role instead of Arnie? I got pl- time to bleed, goddammit. <laughs> I just got this image of him like like <laughs> sitting caked in mud just trying to hide and all you can see I, is his, his moustache right <laughs> and it like he takes off his glasses and you can see his <laughs> eyes get, get to the chopper get to the chopper <laughs> it's, 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 oh, it's so good well we alright so when Skinner rolls up into this joint 
This is where he sees the picture of the the most photoshopped thing that's ever photoshopped. Oh yeah, these pictures were taken in the sixties and look like they were taken yesterday, Bo. Well, and not only that, it's just putting this pumpkin head <laughs> on some military body. It just looks. It terrible. is terrible. And, and the the mother's picture is cut mm. out. And then we we see the baby, and there's uh like creepy music playing and whatnot, and uh then in comes the walrus himself, yeah, Goku Kachu, <laughs> uh Haley Joel Osment as you know the son of the David Skinner knew, yeah, and so we have to have a flashback. Now to Haley Joel Osment in Vietnam, and he's not the scared little guy that we saw. No, he has a necklace with ears on it. Yep. And so after his experience in the gas hut, he's just gone all murder crazy. Uh And uh, also has loose teeth. So that's really the connection, and we don't talk about it that much more in the episode no <laughs> is that apparently this gas causes you to lose your teeth as well as make you crazy and mm-hmm. hungry and um so at any rate uh skinner ends up killing this kid who rolls into the camp in the flashback uh who's got a bunch of grenades tied to him and is gonna murder all of them yeah and so Skinner is like, yeah, I saved his life, but, uh, you know, like, let's have a real talk about your dad. And because uh, this walrus <laughs> is like, hey, my dad, you know, you left him like there was a trial and you knew that the gas affected him and you never said anything. And he's like, well, I, I was given orders. God damn it. I couldn't couldn't go against direct orders. I was a military man. And uh, I thought about it every day. That probably does nothing for you, but it did. <laughs> I, did. I hate people that say, you know, I've thought about this mistake that I made every day since, you know, it's like 40 years later and you've done nothing. <laughs> I'm sure your right. thoughts, your thoughts have made, oh, knowing that it's been in your thoughts has alleviated all the pain and stress and torment that I've had for the last 40 years. Thanks. Well, and- but Skinner like busts it down for him a little bit too, where he's like, "Look, I know you love your father. Father was a good man. I mean, at one time, let's be <laughs> honest with yeah. one another. Because uh, after that gas hut, he was a real son of a bitch. <laughs> a necklace of ears, human ears. God damn it! Now, I mean, I respect it. Don't get me <laughs> wrong, but you ain't supposed to wear that out in public. God damn it! And I got two separate testicle bracelets, <laughs> but you don't see me wearing them to the Kmart. Testicle cufflinks. Right. <laughs> oh, what's, what's so funny about that? Is it, I got a jock strap made of orphans. <laughs> testicle, testicle cufflinks would just be so impractical. <laughs> Spongy. Giant fucking bollocks. How you know your shop for the elegant cannibal yes just send (laughs) 
two testicles to <laughs> Dunvoco, <laughs> and we will send you back two testicles. Yeah, we will. We will. You you provide. We do the coupling yeah. part. You do the testicle yeah. part. That's that, is, that is the deal. You'll not find a better deal on the internet. <laughs> not not for testicle couplings. <laughs> no, no. That's it. That's what you get from listening to the number one downloaded podcast on iTunes. Oh, my God. Just burning up the charts. <laughs> and that very specific Eastern European. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so Skinner tells him, like, you know, ever since Gas Hut, he, he, that guy was a real monster. I mean, I know we're talking about monsters and whatnot, but you got to understand, him getting locked up, probably the best thing ever happened to him, goddammit. <laughs> and Haley Joel Osment is like, well, that's bullshit. And now we're going to, I don't know, I guess played the most dangerous game or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh... And right, it, it's just this real dumb shit about like oh well Haley Joel Osment is like well I you know I'm gonna take you out to where you can see my dad or whatever mm-hmm. and uh Skinner is like all right uh, you seem trustworthy type god damn it and uh, as long as you know I'm here to help your father I, I think we're gonna get along <laughs> just fine uh, although I mean you and I both share the same body type <laughs> you, I, be- I bet we both know our way around an Oreo cookie So I'll tell you what, you take me to see your dad, we'll come back here, we'll make us some uh, delicious brownies, <laughs> and then chit-chat, uh, and, and while the evening away, goddammit. And uh, Haley Joel Osment says, that sounds great, come out here into the dark woods with me, under that pretense. Yeah. And of course, uh, Skinner ends up falling into a punchy pit, uh, and gets uh, like stabbed with one of them bamboo spikes. Mm-hmm. Which, where also, why isn't anyone just seeing who's buying bamboo? Uh, yeah, I don't think it's indigenous to the area, so yeah. You know, or bamboo seeds or whatever. It takes forever for bamboo to grow, right? No, it grows really fast. That's why you, they use it. For That's portrait. right, boy. Yeah, that is right. So f- find out who's growing bamboo at any rate. Stupid. <laughs> and... <laughs> so yeah, so Skinner's trying... And- Skinner's trapped in a hole, and then Mulder and Scully show up. Right, and are like, hey, you got albino ferrets in a cage, that's yeah. rad. And he's like, I do. I have I have all kinds of a- animals in cages. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, uh, "That's that seems suspicious. He's like, no, not yeah. at all. Well, let's come into all. my house yeah. where I will play music really loud, almost... As if I'm using it to cover up the screams of a man trapped in a hole outside my property. Right, who may or may not have discovered the body of my father. Yeah, and Mulder and Scully, none the fuck. Honestly, what 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 are we doing here? I mean, Scully's like, hey, you know what? I, I like a lot of your knickknacks. Uh, can I? I I really. I'll tell you what. Is this a frog? A ceramic frog? I collect frogs. Let's chit chat about yep. that. And. Like, Haley Joel Osment is just like, you know, yeah, uh, I, I, I live out here on my own. You know, kind of gives him the same spiel that he gave Skinner, which is, I am the child of this damaged person, yeah. but I'm okay. Yeah, but then he starts, you know? he starts kicking into 
what will be the parting shot of this episode. Um, you know, like you heard an MK Ultra, well, those, you know, MK Delta was the other one mentioned. Then he mentions as MK Norma. Naomi. Um, and you know, and, and you know, God knows what it is now. You know, I, I don't know what they're doing. And they're they're pumping it in the sky. Chemtrails, chemtrails, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it's something. Again, it's something that's it's something. lazy. Is what it is. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you're right. Uh, and the way it ends, we'll get to that real quick <laughs> here in a second. Um, whatever um, is the ending of this yeah, episode? It really is. Is is the is the the end sequence equivalent of a shrug of the shoulders, huh? <laughs> yeah. Or, um, what about this? And anyway, yeah. <laughs> so uh, after like Mulder opens uh, the book, sees the pictures, obviously notes that his dad and Skinner were tight, which doesn't make sense because the young guy Davy is living in that house where the book is, so he would know what Skinner looks like, and. He claims right. he doesn't know what it is, so he's like that. Scully, yeah, let's just go. Let's just go. And Scully's like, what? And he's like, yeah, let's just get just like you drive, get in the car. Uh, don't look back, don't look back. Bye, bye. Let's try, let's drive, drive the car. And then Mulder breaks it down, which is, of course, he knows who Skinner is. And did you see that vehicle there? It looked entirely far too nice. And she's, she, Scully's like, yeah, I didn't notice that. And I'm thinking to myself, why did no one ask him when he was in there? Is that your vehicle outside? No one asked that question, which kind of feels like the thing nope. a, a law enforcement officer would do, Bo. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, a lot of sloppy investigation going on. Uh, the one, uh, so in addition to asking about Schmidt and uh, of of a homeless person while not informing the police about what they've discovered, yeah. uh, <laughs> We also have this moment in the car where Scully is like, why are we driving away if you suspect anything? He's like, well, we're not. I just need you to pull around the corner and then we're going to double back. And uh, so he's going to go try to find Skinner. And then he sends her to go get the sheriff, which is stupid because they should have just done that in the first place. But then they didn't. And uh, no one can explain why. Um (laughs) So, <laughs> so bad. Uh, Mulder goes back and uh, he goes back to the property and then ultimately finds a hole and finds Skinner. And Skinner's like, yeah, Mulder, right. God damn it. Well, he, he goes back to the house first and finds Haley Joel Osment's outfit from the village. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like, aha, he's the he's monster. Out, he's outfit from the village stroke the ritual. <laughs> Yeah, except when he walks away from it, he's like, look at this stupid-ass costume. Yeah. And and then strolls off, and then it turns out, like, oh, Haley Joel Osment was in the costume, which seems like Mulder would have noticed if there were a heavy-breathing, overweight yeah. man in yeah. uh, a large, hot costume. Yeah, wait one second. These eye holes are very close to get... Wait one second, there's someone out here! <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Oh, it's just... Again, kind of, um, dumb. but uh, 
but you're right he does eventually go outside and he finds the hole uh where skinner is uh hold up (laughs) and um then Mulder fucks this up oh yeah because the old i'll pull you out in a second and he gets nudged into the Oh. Yeah, it's just a good old fashioned shove, and he's like, "Whoa!" <laughs> and falls into uh, falls into the pit with uh, Skinner and uh, presumably the body of uh, older Haley Joel Osment. And uh, Skinner's like, "What the hell are you doing down here in this hole? <laughs> God damn it! You're supposed to be up there." And, it, and he's like, ah, "I got pushed." And he's like, "Well, push! God damn it!" <laughs> tell you what i'm gonna give you a leg up you get up to the edge of that hole and get me out of here yeah. god damn it and <laughs> Bosh! Bosh! and so he he starts like grab assing with Mulder. like you don't get up there at the top of the hole and Mulder's fumbling over him and then Haley joe osman sho- shows up and just starts pouring gas yeah. on him which is a new move because none of the other bodies, I don't think, have been found. No, burned, we're just so. we're just taking it to a new level, bro. He's evolving as a killer. <laughs> uh, he is starting to believe. <laughs> he has he has become self aware. <laughs> There's a great meme. It's like a meme video thing on a uh, <laughs> on the internet. Well, there's this kind of chunky fat kid who's wanting to do a standing vertical jump on top of a bucket, uh, like an outside bin, and he's standing like that, and it switches over to Morpheus, Morpheus going, he's starting to believe, and he goes to jump, and he fucking totally misses it and falls on his ass. <laughs> well, that just sounds like making fun of a poor fat child. That's so funny. Oh dear. Sorry. Yeah. So um Yeah. Uh but yeah, so he starts to pour some gas on him and uh whatever. <laughs> and 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 you know, obviously Skinner is like, Hey, this ain't a Tuesday, god damn it, I don't get drunk on gasoline till Tuesday. And then uh Scully shows up. Because apparently she decided to turn around instead of go get the sheriff, like everyone said. Mm-hmm. Um, and she comes back to shoot Haley Jalosman to knock him out of the way. And then she gets Skinner and Mulder out of the hole. Yeah. But then they look over and realize that Haley Jalosman has run off. Yeah, he's not there. Right. No way so, that fat man go up. After being shot, uh, huffed and puffed, and ran away without making a noise, and Scully not seeing him. Oh, he's gonna be wheezing up a storm. (laughs) 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 Hi, hey. It's gonna be doggy. Hi. Yeah, yeah. Hi. I got shot. Oh, my knees. But yeah, he gets up. No sound. No sound made at all. Yeah, yeah. It's just, he's a fucking John Belushi style fat ninja. (laughs) (laughs) And... 
like, well, what the shit? Now we've got to go after him. But Haley Joel Fatman is... <laughs> Haley Joel uh, Fatman. <laughs> runs to, to the back of a tree and she's like, because he's got this tripwire strung across two random trees in the woods. In the woods, woods bro. This is, this is a trap right out of Predator. <laughs> it's a real, like... Well, thank God they came this way specifically. Yeah, like, it was he, um, he, he bought it online from Acme. <laughs> maybe they're just following the wheezes. <laughs> you know, they're he thinks he's like hiding behind the tree, all stealthy like, yeah. and they're just like he is definitely behind. Yeah, because they'll be able to there. see him. Like, there's walk. no way that tree's that like covered that <laughs> right, <laughs> right is. His shitty poncho is like <laughs> hanging out either side of the tree. And... <laughs> so anyway, they walk up completely oblivious to what's happening, and then Skinner rugby tackles him to the ground, uh, gives him a swift couple of punches to the face, and as he looks like Haley is going to escape, the does he cut the rope? No, no, no. He he is moving away from Skinner yep. and hits the tripwire inadvertently and then the big punji cage spike thing falls from the tree onto him and and murders. kills him so he is now dead yeah, <laughs> yeah let's yeah. say it like <laughs> I guess <laughs> guess it with it <laughs> all the different spikes and all the air starts coming out like a slowly collapsing balloon and then naturally he says, "Oh my!" Yeah, no, don't do that. That's what it's what happened. It's going to be recast. A lot of people don't know that, but Haley Joel Osment is going to be recast as William Shatner's Captain Kirk in the remake of um, of Star Trek Generations. That would be amazing. <laughs> really, <laughs> I don't know. I I would I would be really interested to see it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So anyway, uh, then we cut back to, I, I think, is it Crazy Haley's cabin? Yes. Is that where they're Yeah, they're just, having, they're just having a seat in there, a crime scene. Uh, they're just having a seat yeah, in there, just, just touching everything in it. Yeah, just hanging out at the crime yeah, scene. Yeah, like, ridiculous. No, making themselves There's all home. these sirens and all this stuff that's happening outside, but not another cop anywhere. Right, and they're, like, Scully is getting uh skinner's blood all over the place to implicate him further yeah. uh but now she's like dressing his wound where he got stabbed with one of the spikes. which is which is funny because there's an ambulance outside with medical team but they're not doing that it's uh, do it. jimmy <laughs> what why why is she dressing him when there's an ambulance outside just take the ambulance out we've already put it in jimmy <laughs> it's already in the show Jimmy's too busy doing his second job, which is fixing the buffet table for catering. <laughs> Making right. sandwiches. Sorry. <laughs> I gotta I gotta make canapes. <laughs> so w- what we get is the crux of what this whole episode's been leading to, which is <laughs> question. Yeah, mark. which is uh, yeah. Uh, which is the answer to the point raised earlier, which is has Skinner sacrificed career advancement in 
his unwavering support of Mulder and Scully. And Skinner doesn't say yes outright, but pretty much does say yes. And he says, listen, you guys saved me uh, when I came back from Vietnam. You know, I I, I had, uh, I went in very much with the faith in government and the systems that we have in place. And Vietnam changed me so much so that when I came out, I didn't have faith in that anymore. And I joined the FBI and your unwavering faith and the X-Files and each other and all the rest. I want to be part of that. You know, it made me believe again. And I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. Right, Skinner, now tell them about the plot. Skinner doesn't tell them about the plot, Bob, because why would he? I mean, he's he obviously, he, you know, has, what, a couple of weeks left until my struggle part four. Um, so we could... Well, because we can't have any character change in any given episode. Apparently. No, I, we can't because the next writer might find it difficult to pick up those reins. I mean, we'll have a writer's team. But anyway, Skinner's like, yeah, so... Um, and then Mulder, who... This is this pisses me off because Mulder's been sceptical of, of him all the way through this episode, right? And pretty much all the way through this season, actually. And all it took was Mulder to listen to this one speech and he's like that... We're with you, Sarge. Uh, it's like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? So Mulder's just like, we're we're with you, Skinner. Uh, like that. You did a 180 so quick that you should have whiplash, sir. Like, all Skinner had to do was like a couple of words and you're you're on board. Mr. Skeptic, Mr. Conspiracy is right. on board like that. Here's a totally emotional appeal for your loyalty that is based in no uh objective nope. fact nothing i've nope. done uh certainly nothing that the audience knows that i mean like he's clearly keeping secrets even yeah then. because he go, when he walks out the cabin he turns around as if he's going to say something and still doesn't so what does skinner want here right this is the thing that annoys me what does skinner actually want skinner's basically like not pleaded for them to side with him, but that sob story is designed one way, and that one way is to is to to get them on board with him, and they do. And now's the time you come clean with them, and no, they're not ready yet. I just, I, I the ending annoyed me, like really annoyed me because I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want these these people to be working together, but do I have to wait another episode till Skinner tells them that the smoking man's back in his life and is about to kill the planet? Well, and also we get the loose tooth. Oh yeah, he, from oh. Skinner at the end, which is stupid. Yeah. Like this is a show that ends three times, and none of them are yeah, because so, yeah, you exactly. You have the thing you're talking about, which is, hey, I'm almost going to reveal something to Mulder and Scully, and then I don't. I'm going to keep the, my, my, my lips zipped, <laughs> goddammit. And so he doesn't do that. Then we have the stupid two thing. Well, now I'm a psychopath, goddammit. <laughs> and neither ending of, of which is anything you want to see. And then you have the third non-Skinner ending. Hey! Um, <laughs> where the, the government where basically packs Agent whatever it is now into a, a, a crop duster, which then spreads the green gas 
all over these crops, and then we pan to a shot of chemtrails because. But why? All right, if all the people in this town were losing teeth and, and in theory, have been poisoned by the government, according to this third ending, Jimmy, (laughs) um, why would, if you were the government, why would you pick this town where a for, the child of a former subject was lived that could then tie to this research mm-hmm. like like you're intentionally reducing the you know degrees of Kevin Bacon between you and this super secret project and being discovered by someone mm-hmm. also why are you doing this in America to this town also why aren't they seeing more monsters also what was Haley joel osmond jr's whole plan other than to just scare people and kill hunters no idea no idea I, yeah i mean it's not gonna matter this episode's over now and we never <laughs> yeah because again. yeah because we won't be thinking about this episode again um and i i doubt the x-files is going to pay much attention to it either i got a feeling that that like the if skinner is forthcoming with any information it's not going to be because the skinner leaves on a mission because he failed his friend and he's going to get to the bottom of it he's going to try these sons of bitches down and all the rest that is never good yep, we're never, never going to see that again Nope, nope. We are never going to hear about this. So, again. what's the what is yeah. what's the point? What is the to get us to here? I think there are so many more vehicles and avenues we could have used to get us to a place where because once again, like you made you, I think you've made a really interesting point in previous episodes, and I I like it now, so I'm appropriating it because that's what we do on this show about what have we progressed with the story. You know, are we more enlightened? Are we are we better off? Has the story moved at all? And Skinner appears to be back on board, but he's not giving them anything. So the answer to that question would be we have not made any progress at all. So another episode which is just stalling, like padding out a season which I feel could have been six episodes at this rate. Uh, comfortably like the previous season I don't know why we're having 10 because 6 rolls in and uh, to me like because you you were like that listen it's got a start a middle and end and a through line so you know this like that I just think it's dumb I think it's but it's, it's not yeah. even like inoffensive. Yeah, you're not wrong I think it is like like brain scratching dumb and uh, it just nothing makes it I, it feels like these characters have been written, like Mulder, Scully, and, and and Skinner have been written by people that have only the passing interest in the X Files. And I just yeah, I, I I agree with you. It does it like I Chris Carter is not doing this show any any favors by continuing it in this. Yeah, manner. if anything, he's, um, he's if anything, he's making me start to dislike certain things. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a really like to me this. Uh, if this was any other season, this episode would be one of the poorer episodes in a season of the X Files. One of those ones where I was like, "Well, we'll skip that episode and jump to the next one." It's just not great at all. I don't know why Haley Joel Osment's yeah. in this at all. He's he's he doesn't add anything to this. 
uh, except a couple hundred pounds, Bo, but don't. Uh, oh. <laughs> I oh, um, uh, you know, he doesn't add anything to this at all. He's not like he's not convincing as a Vietnam uh, soldier. He's not convincing as a human. Uh, that's bad. That's harsh. He's not convincing as Davy, this yeah. guy who's like killing people out in the woods. Um, hey, Davy. Hey, Davy. Um, Mulder is almost a full character in this episode. Scully is almost Scully in this episode. And Skinner is a Skinner we've not seen before, a version of Skinner we've not seen before, which, once again, 11 seasons and six episodes in. I, I don't understand why we're getting this Skinner now. And we have missed the opportunity for his reveal of the truth to be effective. I would be pissed off if I had just declared my lottery Skinner and then I had to wait a couple of weeks for him to, to tell me that the Earth's about to be destroyed. Uh, your moment to tell him is in this episode and you didn't do it. Um, you shot out of it. And um, yeah, this is not a good episode. Yeah, I, and one thing I would pile on uh, this episode about is the fact that one of the themes of the episode, as implied by the opening of the show, is this notion of, oh, like, once you go through the, the trauma of war, yeah. then you, you, you never quite escape it. And it doesn't, I mean, it, it feels like that should have been a bigger deal at the end of the episode, that, that a good writer, not Jimmy, <laughs> would have tied the idea of this sense of Skinner's like loss of innocence uh in in government yeah. with this idea of this child losing his innocence because of the war his father yeah. fought. And and there's some of that there, but there's a way to make that pay off in a in a way that's a little bit smarter. And Jimmy just isn't the guy to no. pull it off. So it's yeah it's a, it's a really disappointing episode it's not good no. uh i would say that it's not the worst of this yeah, season yeah it's not the worst of this season and i in hindsight i think you could argue and i would probably agree with you that episode 5 is worse than this but i would say it's only marginal I, you know, man, I think that first episode may be the worst yeah, episode yeah first so episode is mm, i don't know it's pretty bad. What was episode three again? I can't remember what episode three was. Episode three uh, was really bad. Yeah, we yeah, because it was two and four that were two good. and four were good, and one, three, five, and six. <laughs> so we've we've, right. we've destroyed the Star Trek theory uh, that all the even numbers were good. Yeah, I, I can't remember what episode three was, but episode three was bad. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. Was the, uh, was episode yeah, three was, the I don't creature remember. of the week episode, which wasn't good? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember what the creature was. Was that the uh, no five? Was the the twins? Um, I don't remember. Who yeah, it's, it's like I, I think one probably one or three is the worst. I think three may be worse than one, but I can't remember um, by far. But I think five is marginally worse than six. 
I think the reason six probably is slightly higher than five is for the points you made earlier on. That at least it's carrying like a linear narrative throughout this episode and not look at this really cool story about, you know, like Slenderman and online crime. Right now, we're not going to do that episode. I said, look at it, but we're not doing it. Uh, instead, we're going to do this. <laughs> so, yeah, I think is it like we are now in a position where we are six episodes in to the new season of the X-Files and we ha- we can put our hands on our hearts and say we've enjoyed two. That's one third of the episodes yeah. thus far. Yeah, yeah, you are you are absolutely correct. I think, I think at the end of this episode, uh, not episode. I'm sorry. At the end of this season of episodes uh, of the X Files, there may be a good reason to evaluate whether we want to continue covering the. Yeah, X-Files. I don't think. I genuinely don't think there'll be another series after this. I don't think it's doing well. I think ratings have been low. Um, so I don't think, oh, and Scully's out. So Gillian Anderson has said she's not doing it anymore. And to be honest with you, I don't really want, I remember some of those painful seasons where we had Agent Daggett and fucking, you know, Mulder and Scully were practically not in. They were written out pretty much at that point because they were off doing other things. Um, and yeah, at that point, what am I watching this for? Like I'm watching, it's not because I want, to watch X Files be solved on screen, I want it because Mulder, Scully, Smoking Man, uh, Skinner. The, you know, these are my my characters that I want to follow through with. So, if Gillian Anderson's out, even if this finishes in the best possible way, I can't see me making a return for it. So, this is us, just me and Bo, just now, kind of putting our flagpole in the sand here and saying there is plenty of other great TV shows out there. It is unlikely. Not saying never, because you never say never. It is unlikely that there will be a Duncan and Bo goes to X Files season twelve. Yeah, I think that's fair, and I, I think the reasons are clear. There's no reason to watch a, a continual. Yeah, I don't. Show. I'm not aware of anyone that's listening to these shows that are are coming back and saying that they're really enjoying it. With, with Twin Peaks, we had constant yeah. feedback of people who were enjoying it, getting on board, enjoying it like that. I, I get the feeling that some people are actually just listening to this episode, uh, listening to us talk about it, to circumnavigate actually watching the X-Files, which is probably the way you should do it. A hundred percent, yeah. You absolutely should do so, that. But yeah, I, I can't see... The, like, the, the last four episodes would have to be the greatest TV that's ever happened. <laughs> Like, and I just, with one of them being called My Struggle 4, I don't have faith in it. Oh, no, me neither. I mean, I think that, I, I, I think we are headed towards something really awful. Yeah. Uh, so, by the pricky of my thumb, <laughs> something stupid this way comes. Uh, alright, that's enough about this episode, I think. Um, We've caught back up as well, let's... actually. We took, it's worth saying, yeah. we took a week off primarily due to the fact that I got struck down with like an aggressive form of the cold which removed my voice pretty much and as you can probably still hear I'm still kind of croaky and that's almost two weeks after getting it so uh, it's kind of still hanging around with me but in some weird twist of fate um, the X-Files hasn't been on TV for the last two weeks 
Uh, so as a result, we're releasing this one, and as of next week, we'll be back on schedule, but we won't be a week behind either. We'll be releasing in the same week, which is kind of weird. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is going to be very, very odd. But it's cool. So... I, I think I think that works a bit better for us. So, um, yeah. So, yes, we'll be, uh, we're four episodes away. So you've got four weeks left of this. Then we take a couple of weeks off. Maybe do something in the middle. Maybe Blood Simple. We're talking about that. Um, and uh-huh. then we return with uh, Westworld Season 2, uh, which I can yep. tell you right now, I am not going into remotely thinking it will be... Like, I think Westworld and its worst day is some of the best the X-Files can ever aspire to be. So, um, yeah, can't wait. Coming oh. to get oh, cheers sure. and yeah, he's not in it. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah, but uh, as long as we've got what's a oh geez, what's the name of the actor who played his assistant? Um, uh, what was his? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, Bernard. 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 Uh, yes, uh, I can't remember. Uh, he's great. He's back. He's definitely back. Yeah, and and he's amazing. Like that's all I need. If he's in it, Ed Harris is uh, in it. That's all I need. Is Ed Harris? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh man yeah yep it's right around the corner uh so yeah like uh like duncan said we will be back in a week to talk about more the x-files glenn morgan directed episodes so he, he tends to do the better ones um but yeah at this stage who cares <laughs> yeah but I'll, you know what if it's just a good light breezy fun episode then I'm I'm down with that. If yeah. they're just going to be heavy mythology episodes at this point, I'm kind of less uh, interested. Yeah. Um. At any rate, so uh, Duncan, where can people find you between now and then? Uh, should they want to hear more? Ah, yes, they can check me out on the podcast under the stairs, uh, which is available on iTunes podcast under the stairs or under the Legion podcast banner. Uh, you can check us out. We will have by the time this episode drops. Uh, I will have had a couple episodes out, one covering uh, Hellraiser Judgment. So if you heard me chat a bit earlier on and want to hear a bit more of that, you can check that out. I will have dropped an episode uh, covering the final two movies in the Final Destination franchise, so part four and five, uh, with a couple of fantastic guests. Um, And the movie club will have also dropped, uh, which is the listeners uh, writing their reviews for the British horror comedy, The Cottage, from 2008. So, yeah, come and check me out over there. Podcast Under the Stairs uh, can be found on Facebook, uh, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Cast or the website tputtscast.com. Well done. Uh, and as for me, you can head over to legionpodcasts.com, and, uh, and that's really where you can find everything. That's... Uh, uh, this show and uh, Horror Hangover and Here Here a Ghost Show. Uh, you can get get yourself some of the Shodcast over there. Uh, and then if you don't want to listen to me, uh, and I I understand that entirely, then <laughs> go, go on and listen to some of the other shows, uh, including the new uh, Who Will Survive. We've got uh, a new episode of uh, Hello, This Is the Doom Show on the movie Mutant that I am very much looking forward to. So, uh, yeah, go over and check out all that stuff. Uh, not just my stuff. Check out everybody. Don't be a jerk. How about that? Um, sorry. 
You're not a jerk. You're a wonderful person. Uh, but that's it. And uh, we want to thank you one more time for listening. Uh, whatever device you happen to be listening on, if you could rate and review the show, that's always appreciated. Uh, Duncan, anything else before we get the hell out of here? No, just um, it's always great being back. Even if the X-Files is shitty, me and Bo have a blast in these shows. And we love interacting with you, so interact with us. Interact with us all over. Yeah. All right. Sit, sit on my interface. Ew. <laughs> all right, say goodnight, Duncan. I love hackers. Duncan. Good night, Duncan. <laughs> Quit trying to get your hackers plugs in at the last minute. Good night, everybody. Me through.